welcome back. It's time for some talking bollocks. Are you fucking ready? Are you? Are you ready for some talking bollocks, are you? Because I know I am. I'm well up for this one. Oh, yes. I've just had PayPal fucking me about like you wouldn't believe. So I am bang up for talking to you about all sorts of shit today. Okay, let's do the intro. Who am I? I'm fucking me. If you don't know who I am, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just a podcast. Who gives a fucking fuck? Just listen anyway. See how it goes. I'm in one of those moods. Thank you, PayPal. So... Um, it's great to be back in your ears. I'm me, I do this, I do that, I'm in a band, there's some stuff coming out, who gives a fuck? Let's just fucking move on before PayPal gets fucking mentioned again on this podcast and I have to blow up about it. And they're robbing fucking ways. That's right, it's the PayPal special. They've changed their, They've changed all the way they do the postage now, and now if I'm going to send a bunch of T-shirts out, it's fucking impossible. I basically may as well just work for a fucking postal company. Simple as that. Have to do it, have to do everything yourself. It's a fucking joke. Got to fucking weigh it, put how much, you know, then they'll calculate it, pay for it. Jeez, I may as well work in a fucking post office. All I want to do is get some addresses, put them on some packages, and take them to a post office. But apparently, now, I work at a fucking post office! For those of you who don't use PayPal very often, this will be incredibly hilarious, the fact that I'm getting so wound up about this, but it fucking really is. Basically means I can't I can't actually get my own customers' um uh, dispatch information actually just you know you know can I get that in a place can I copy that and paste it into a document print that off use that as label no no not at all you've got to fucking go in all sorts of way and crowbar your way in backwards into the system and create a report and maybe if that report lets you then you will be able to do it but it'll only be in certain formats and when you export that, export that format then you've got to change it into another format and as you can imagine This is all really exciting for you to listen to about. I've only spent the last hour and a half trying to deal with it. And you know what? This is what you're fucking getting. This is what you're getting at the beginning of the podcast. It's not all the time, but this is what you're getting. It is the bane of my life. Fucking cunts like that. Changing the way they work to suit themselves. To suit their wonderful hookup with the post office that they're really proud of. Brilliant. Does it help me? Is it any use to me? Does it help me in my business? Help me in my day to day? Can I deliver my service to my customers easier? No. Is it harder? Yes. Is that great? No. Do I want to kill everyone who works for PayPal? No. No. Just the people at the top. And hopefully that will get some traction and lead to me being arrested for threatening murder, no doubt, on people who work at PayPal. No, mainly people in the board, um, So, which I'm never likely to be able to get access to, let's face it. So it's a pretty hollow threat. Um Okay, how about I don't know, how about I don't want to kill them, I'd just like to see them die. Anyway, it's three and a half minutes in, and I've managed to cover PayPal so far, and that's fucking it. So, why don't we fuck that off? I'm sorry, but that was a necessary evil. If I didn't get that out, that was going to be lingering behind all the time. So let's move on to another subject that I absolutely love, and that would be Tobias Forge. Known otherwise, otherwise known to the, to to you as ghost, because 
that's what Ghost is. Ghost is Tobias Forge. It's a bloke. And um, brilliant. Great quote from him this month. He has no interest in making a solo album. Well, bearing in mind every album you record is a solo album, I do not find that surprising. I mean, Ghost is a solo project. It's a solo. It's not a band. We've made that very clear. He's made that very clear in a number of legal cases. So, really, no need to tell us all that you've got no interest in making a solo album because we know you haven't. For the same reason you're going to tell us, well, you know, I get to do everything that I want to do in Ghost. Why would I do? Uh, why would I do a, um, uh, a a solo project? I don't know, mate. Why would you? I completely agree. Let's move on. Van Canto, remember them? Hey, Van Canto. Yes, my old mates are back now. It's um, it's vocal metal. Is that what you would call it? Um, probably not. Um, uh, I don't know how do we, how do we, right that. Let's just go onto their let's go onto their website. I'm not, I, right now. I'm just gonna hold this off for a minute. What do they call themselves? Um, well, look, it's it's just it's it's it's, it's vocal only. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, and um, there's you know they got famous for doing a uh, they got famous for doing a few um, cover versions and stuff, and they do their own stuff, and it's all right. Now I'm playing some stuff in the background here. And it is what you think it is. And, I mean, I just think, no, really. That's that's my honest feelings. But let's just listen to this come in, shall we? I mean, okay, so far that's not the worst thing you've ever seen. I mean, heard. Although, to look at, it is hilarious. Lots of nodding now. Lots of people nodding like, yeah, this is going to kick off in a minute. Which, of course, we know it isn't. But here we go. Oh, fucking hell. I mean, okay, it's Hell's Bells, and I'm just saying no. Okay? That's basically... I am saying, no, no, do not touch that. That is a fucking disgrace. Please don't do that ever again. It is fucking awful. Although some of you will have listened to that and thought, you know what, I'm going to check that out. That sounds all right. And, you know, well, good for you. Fair enough. Off you go. Please don't come back. Awful. Um, next up, Dave Alefson is hoping for more Big Four shows. So clearly the impending death of his bandmate... And the fact that uh, Slayer are retiring um, are, are in no way getting in Dave's way of having some more Big Four shows. I mean, um, obviously we hope Dave Mustaine um, uh, beats, beats throat cancer. We really do. Um, and, um, and But Slayer are retiring. That is happening. Um, now, I'm sure they would stay together for a few more gigs, as they've shown already. The, the one thing they will do is add some more gigs. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just don't see it happening. I really, really don't. But um, anyway. Um, and the two guitarists in Ramstein decided to um, have a little bit of a gay kiss on stage. That seemed to wind up the Russian authorities' a treat. Um, good old Ramstein. Fucking weird as ever. 
um, you know, could rock up in a stadium and sell it out anywhere in the world. That is just so impressive. Um, and then to just wind up Russian authorities by having two of their band members kiss, I thought was absolutely superb. Um, is an absolute backwards, murderous regime in Russia, believe it or not. Um, and yeah, good, good for them, good for them. Um, so this was a bit of a this was a bit of a controversy that came out um, while everything was kicking it, well, while everything was kicking off earlier in the month, and that was the um, uh, S and M two. Yep, Metallica are doing S&M again. S&M 2 sold out before even fan club members could buy tickets. All appearing on StubHub. And the, and conspiracy theories, did the band know? I mean, look, OK, Through the Never did take a lot of money out of the Metallica machine. And they are having to put a lot of money back into the Metallica machine. But nowhere have they decided to set up a way to rip off their fans. No. Um, they've got plenty of legitimate, totally... Um, over-the-counter ways of ripping you off. Blackened whiskey, there would be one. Um, remastering Unjustice for All. Pfft, I've given that away. Couldn't even fucking notice any difference. What a mug for buying it. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of upfront ways that they can... Um, uh, that they can rip you off. So I don't know why they would go, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so cagey and try and do this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but you know, some people will always, will always try and find a conspiracy theory and, um, you know, but go bless you, go bless you, you little conspiracy theorists, eh? Uh, never mind. Anyway, um, uh, next up would be, um, this might have passed some of you by, I did post about it on social media, but obviously, you know, not everybody's checking my feeds every second. Um, funeral for a friend, uh, not a band I'm a particular fan of, uh, never been, but um, coming back to do some shows, and um, uh, it's pretty awesome actually. Um, it says uh, on the Wikipedia page in August 2019, Funeral for a Friend announced two special reunion concerts with the proceedings going to the family of a terminally ill friend of the band. The two shows on the 28th and 29th of October at the Globe in Cardiff in the O2 Shepherd's Bush Empire in London. Um, as well as uh, members Matt Davis, uh, Chris Cumbus Roberts, Gav Burrow, and Richard Boucher, the band will be joined by former guitarist Dan Smith and drummer Screamer Ryan Richards. Funeral for a Friend's website, um, after the initial two dates sold out quickly, the Cardiff show was upgraded from the Globe to the Cardiff Studio Union, and the second Cardiff date was added on the 27th of October. Um, this is really very, very cool. Very cool. And this is what, you know, um, I think being in a band is all about, really. Um, very, very cool for um, for these guys to basically just, you know, get back together to help out a mate. That's what it's all about. That, that is surely what, what, what it's all, what everything is all about. And um, I just wanted to get a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more background on that for you. So... Um, nipping over to the Funeral for a Friend website um, for our friend uh, Stuart Brothers that's awesome um, when we left the stage right they talk about leaving the stage um, and always resounding no we never want to do any shows until now recently a man who quite literally literally uh, and legitimately lay claim to being the world's biggest Funeral for a Friend fan 
um, our friend Steve, Big Brother Brothers, was being stricken down with a terrible illness which has ultimately led to a terminal prognosis last month. Stu was given a few short weeks to live by his doctors. As Stu's friends, we want to do something to help, particularly for his family and three young sons who are going through unspeakable trauma right now. We discussed the possibility of auctioning some stuff off, which we still will do, for raising shows with proceeds going to his family. And then we decided to do some dates. Being that Stu was an old school fan right from the very start, we will predominantly be performing material from the early part of our career, 2002 to 2007. Tickets will be available on Wednesday. Um, Additionally, a fundraising page will be set up. Thank you, and we'll see you all in October. Matt, Chris, Gav, Rich, Darren, and Ryan. Isn't that really fucking cool? You know, I mean, it puts everything into perspective as well, really, doesn't it? I mean, there's me being a ranting little bitch right at the beginning of um, of the podcast, all about PayPal, and um, and yeah, it, it, and it is frustrating, and they are cunts. But um, when you see stuff like this, it is just outrageous um, that I could even be even slightly bothered by uh, all of that just shenanigans going on. I mean, putting things in perspective, this is just wow. Just wow. Only having a few weeks to live and putting your band back together um, to let somebody, you know, see the band one last time, hear the band one last time. That is, yeah, that's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Funeral for a funeral for a friend. My hat is off to you. Um, somebody who my hat is not off to is Slipknot. Um, so, um, what do we know about you? Uh, we are not your kind. Um, enjoy. I enjoyed Unsainted where um, when the album first came out, um, and then it was a case of right, okay, let's let's you know. Let's get stuck into the album. So, uh, I know a lot of you, um, obviously, are going to be going on about how successful it's already been. And um, and it is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I think it's absolutely brilliant that Slipknot have, have had a huge fucking album with this, um, with this album already. So, brilliant. Okay. Um, but, for me... Hmm, only about six or seven songs on it, and there's 14 songs. I actually went all the way into Uxbridge to buy a copy, um, and they were short of copies, believe you and me. Um, There was only one CD left. And I ended up not buying it. I ended up buying the new um, He Is Legend album, White Bat, because I just couldn't bring myself to hand the money over. And I knew I was effectively just going to be skipping most of the album. So let's go through it. Insert coin, 1 minute 38 seconds. Yeah, pointless. But anyway, Unsainted, tune. Birth of the Cruel, tune. Death because of death, 1 minute and 20 seconds. No. So already, four songs in, right? Four songs in, Unsainted, Birth of the Cruel, yes. Insert coin, Death because of death, no. Purely because those two other things, are 1 minute 38 seconds and 1 minute 20 seconds, no. Neo Forte, awesome, five minutes. Critical Darling, yep, awesome, six minutes, 25. A Liar's Funeral, yeah, or Fuck You Chris Venn, as it should be called. 5.27, I'm struggling with that a little bit. It's a bit too pissy. Um, Track 9, What's Next, 53 seconds, pointless. Track 10, Spiders, 
Four minutes and three seconds. About as scary as the word spiders. I mean, I have seen this referred to as one of the, inverted commas, bravest songs they've ever recorded. Um, I don't think there is such thing as a brave song anyway. I don't think any band or anyone does anything bravely. Um, It's shit. It's one of the shittest things they've ever done. Um, Spiders, spiders, spiders. There you go. You've heard the song. Move on. Um, Orphan, great tune. My Pain, great tune. Not Long For This World. I'm trying... I'm trying with it, but it's dragging a bit. Solway Firth, good tune at the end. And that's it. So basically, there is a lot on there for me that is just not happening at all. Now, let me be straight. I know a lot of you out there like the old, you know, art rock and all the rest of it. And, you know, oh, yeah, the Bowie influences and all the rest of it. And and for me, that's utter tosh. Um, Slipknot are best when they're being Slipknot, not when they're trying to be somebody else or desperate to show off how diverse their influences are. Oh, we're so diverse. Oh, we're so different. Oh, please listen to how different we are. Check this out. And Clown has had his fat, talentless fucking fingers all over this. Um, I mean, they're planning on releasing EPs of of all. and, And really, good for you. Have fun. It's just not happening so when Slipknot are being Slipknot they are kicking ass um and when I say that I mean like the full-on Slipknot when they're doing the whole arty Slipknot which I again I you know it's been there since the beginning I have no quarrel with that but you know here's a fucking shocker I thought that the I thought the song Scissors was fucking shit okay I've never been into never been into basically stuff that sounds like it's just an interlude between that and the next song fuck off fucking email anyway um it's about time i got an interview going so let's get straight in shall we yeah why not this is me and my mate phil demmel having a chat about a week ago hello hello phil hey hey it's um it's howard from talking bollocks and um and also uk thrash band acid rain all right, what's happening? Hey, um, uh, well, it's funny you should ask. I've just started my holiday up in uh, lovely, sunny Yorkshire, up north in England, and um, it's uh, uh, it's where I'm from originally, so it feels good to be home. Did you just say sunny and England in the same sentence? Oh, come on, let's not uh, let's not start <laughs> this with an argument. <laughs> so, does that mean you're not looking forward to Bloodstock next year? Oh yeah, of course we are. Love yeah. it over there. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. Although this year the main stage was closed twice for high winds and rain. Um, yeah, that's what I heard. Crazy. Yeah, man, um, it does happen. But you know, you you yourself um, were uh, were gigging that same weekend in Belgium, and I hear you had a blast. We were. Yeah, there was there was they had to shut down for some winds over there too. But yeah, it was our first uh, violence's first show overseas, and it was great, man. People loved it. I know. I mean, you. I mean, it. It just sounds like in your voice there is a there's a, a kind of freshness and an enthusiasm for this that that maybe you know you you you've tried to kind of recover from being in a band that became a job to back loving it again. Was that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, 
I had some I had some awesome times, and you know, this if going back to anything after a while and becoming becoming new, yeah, it's going to be it is fresh. That's literally the definition. You know, it's fresh, it's new, it's, you know, it's old, but it's we're doing it again and and uh, doing some things that we didn't have a chance to do and uh, doing it on on a level that was way bigger than we were before so the band's bigger now than it ever has yeah i know i'm, I'm selling sell, selling more records and <laughs> so. <laughs> well look I'm, i mean i'm i'm in a very very similar situation you know we came back in 2015 it's never been bigger about to put a first album out for 29 years and and exactly what you just said and i know that experience of like wow you know whilst we were away doing nothing we became a lot bigger that's actually pretty cool well and what band is that? Um, Acid Rain. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think that uh, our drummer has one of your shirts or something. That's right, yes, yes. See, we, we pay him to wear that at every show possible, yeah. Yeah, all right, good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, actually, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will, um, the album's not out yet, but I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. Feel free to have a listen. Um, uh, you know, I, I love your thoughts on it because um, you're talking to somebody here who was, um, well, was, is a violence fan from way back in the early days. In fact, I even had the 10-inch sick bag um, that, you, that, <laughs> right on. that you put out over here. So, you know, that, that, that's that, crazy. Oh, man. I, I Well, I had to throw it away in the end because it just dried out and was just, you know, you couldn't yeah, even tell what sure. it was. But, Remember when that came out? It was like it was the one release that did well, really well over there, and it was on the Kerrang chart over Bon Jovi's "Bad Medicine" that it just came out too. So that's that's saying something. One, one for the dirty kids. Uh, well, that's a claim to fame. Well, well, actually, I was listening to a, a three-part "The History of Violence" special on a show called the Thrash Metal Show, um, which is awesome. Uh-huh. Check it out. It's called thethrashmetalshow.com. Oh. And it's a three-part special. And it reminded me that something else I owned back in the day, and don't ask me how I got hold of this in the UK, I had the four-track mechanic demo cassette. <laughs> That's with, cool. Right yeah, with, 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 yeah, I know, with, with paraplegic. And so, I've got no idea how I got hold of that over here. Yeah, that's awesome. So good. I know, man. Yeah, so, if you call in, you call into a 1-800 number, then they would... Uh, they would fire them out to whoever sent in their address or something. So, pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Who need, who needs the fucking internet? You know, you just pick pick the yeah. phone up, tell somebody to send you a tape. Job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call a number, and you could hear. I think it was forget. <laughs> Sorry, I think Road Racer Records was still distributed through. Uh, well, it was MCA Records back then. So them and Mechanic were both through MCA, and they had like uh, I think like Snow White was on there, and like Gangrene and yeah. some other bands that you call in, you could hear a little bit, and pretty pretty cool idea. Well, we, we're still talking about it this much later. Yeah, exactly, and we were we were very <laughs> nearly label mates actually, because I know we were we were it was it was Steve Sinclair at Mechanic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we combat. Yeah, well we uh, we we were offered a deal to go to mechanic, but our management were like, look, you know, you don't want to deal with this guy. Let's steer clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was okay, you know. He was he was trying to do something new and um you know, it, it was it was a good experience for us to be the the only really metal thrash band on the label for a bit and so that's 
you know, looking looking back, he he was just trying to, you know, can't blame a guy for trying. No, exactly. Um, but maybe if you hadn't been on a major label, you'd have been able to sneak talk, torture tactics onto the album without anyone noticing. I know, man. My God, the trouble we had with that song. It's insane. You know, twice. Yeah. Twice it got pulled off Eternal. And then we, you know, we wrote different lyrics for the, uh, for oppressing and submitted them and, you know, okay, it's cool. We record it, and you know, then it gets pulled, and then they want to pull Officer Nice too, and we're like, ah, oh, what the fuck? What do we got to do? Yeah, so your album was in danger of becoming an EP. Yeah, exactly. That you know, it, Eternal was ended up being seven songs as it was, and then you know, Oppressing would have been down to eight. So yeah, yeah, and um... there you go. Well, funnily enough, oppressing. We were waiting for. I was waiting for ages for it to come out over here. And there's a specialist record shop that uh, me and a friend who are both huge Violent fans, and we were we were we were on the motorway and we pulled over to a motorway service station, and um, mm-hmm. and and I I used a payphone there um, to uh, to ring the record shop, which I'd been ringing at least once or twice a week, and rang them up and said, "Look, you know, is it in yet?" And they went, "Yeah, we've got it. They're here." So me, and, so I, I hung I hung the phone up in the um, uh, in the service station, and me and my friend ran out the service station, ran to his car, got in his car, and speeded out the car park back back onto the motorway. But I, I happened to notice that there was a pl- there was a police car, and there was a policeman sat watching us as we ran to the car, got in it, and drove off. We got pulled over by the police on the motorway, wanting to know what we were in such a hurry for. <laughs> So we had to say, well, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you know, there's this Bay Area thrash band, and it's like, yeah, this is. Let's do, so I, I can't remember what we did, but we, we got out of it okay, and we we managed to get the album. But um, yeah, man, it's, I mean, it's just great to have you guys back, and um, it's it's just it's amazing what's kind of um, uh, flourished for you since 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 leaving Machine Head, which I know must have been a huge kind of decision you knew it was you knew you knew you had to do it but it's still you're going into the unknown you know you're basically becoming unemployed and you know what the fuck is the future going to hold and then all of a sudden you're you're playing with slayer and violence is back together it's it's amazing what happens it was it was a big deal you know leaving leaving that situation um and walking into whatever i me and the wife own a successful business we own a bar in town here that you know, would have been whatever. I wasn't done musically. I knew that. And uh, literally the day after I quit Machine Head, I get the call from Slayer, and I'm on a on a flight out to uh, to jam with those dudes, which was just a career affirming moment for me. Yeah. And then you know, a couple of weeks after that, get a text from Sean wanting to put Violence back together too. And um, yeah, it was it. You know. Gave me purpose doing the violence thing and, and having that be legitimate and relevant and the way that it's been, you know, it's, it's, it really feels good. And I've been super busy getting calls from all over. You know, I filled in with my buddies from Nonpoint, uh, channel with the Metal Allegiance dudes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be busy and it's good to be wanted. I left the situation where I didn't feel like I was, uh, wanted or needed into, um, you know, my own escaped out of a bubble and, you know, into a, 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 just a huge situation where I'm feeling, you know, relevant and needed and valued. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's it's, but it's, but it's also amazing, isn't it? What, um, what happens and what opportunities come your way when people know that you're available? Yeah, yeah, that that seemed to be the case. You know, because you um, you're not you're not going to get you know you're not going to get you know offered the Slayer gig if you you know if if you're in an, if you're on the road with another band etc. So, I mean, I was yeah, I mean that that's just insane that whole Slayer thing. Right, it was it was insane. I uh, I quit Machine Head on a Saturday. I uh, got the call on Sunday. On Monday. I went and picked up all my machine head gear, and on Tuesday I was a flight on a flight out to Germany, learning nineteen Slayer songs. <laughs> you know, that I, I'm I'm not I'm not a religious person in any way, but I do believe that is the metal gods saying, "Phil, it was the right thing to do." <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely all the tumblers falling into place, you know, all the uh, all the stars aligning, whatever other metaphors you want to use. It was. Uh, it was amazing because Slayer's the reason why I'm playing heavy music. You know, there was a, a point back in high school, uh, you know, where I was I was playing. I loved the heavy music. You know, listen to Metallica and Exodus, and uh, went and saw Slayer. I saw Slayer before I saw Exodus, and uh, I was playing with some other dudes who were going a more you know hair metal route and a more commercial route, and it could there was like a tipping point to where. You know what am I going to do? And then Slayer came out, and it's just like this. This is what I want to do, and uh, joined a band called Death Penalty, which ended up being Violence yeah. after the first show. We did one show with Death Penalty, and we became Violence June first, nineteen eighty-five, my senior year of high school, and uh, started writing all the all the music for it. So that was Slayer. Slayer the reason. So to have that, and we played uh, one of the shows was on I think the thirty. Fifth anniversary of Show No Mercy coming out, so it was uh, it was wow. all pretty pretty full circle stuff coming around. <clears throat> yeah, that that's that's just insane, man. And and funnily enough, talking about those early violence days, I, I apologise in advance for the for the geeky thirty year old question. But why the hyphen? Why the hyphen in the in the middle of the in the middle of the name? You know, we were we we're messing around with logos. And, uh, you know, everybody had like the Metallica wannabe logo with the, with the, the legs on the ends. And we we're trying to come up with something that would fill up a flyer better. And, uh, Sean, uh, <laughs> he's a smart dude. He's really smart. But as far as grammar and punctuation, and <laughs> he might be a little bit challenged in that area. Right. So okay. he, he had a friend of his. Uh, Michelle, I forget her last name, uh, draw it up with a brick and, and it's super detailed. Like there's guys hiding in the shadows with maces and, you know, there's bodies and there's, you know, the, the original artwork. And uh, it looked rad on this brick wall with it coming out like that. And, and uh, so we, we thought it looked awesome and, and went with it. And it's, you know, here we are. <laughs> I know. You know, 30 something years later, uh, talking about it. So. Yeah. I know it's it's it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's like I, I mean, I, I said there's a, there's lots of parallels, you know, between ourselves. I mean, I was 17 when I signed my first deal, and um, and you know, we awesome. we, we you know we burned brightly for a few albums, and then you know just realised we couldn't get any further because thrash was pretty much fading out, and um, 
And the thing is, as well, is when when you're a huge part of a scene, um, and the scene, you know, the scene goes down, you go down with the ship. There's nothing you can do about it. You know. Yeah. yeah because yeah. And either, it's... either you either adapt and totally change, which um, we kind of did at the end. You know, uh, Rob started Machine Head, and he was kind of down tuning, and you know, I had I had down tuned way back in the early violence days, back in 85, but I didn't drop tune. I did the whole down tuning just to play along with some Sabbath records. And uh, there's a Sabotage record called Sirens that was down tuned to D, so I wanted to play along with that. So, But he was, you know, I loved what Rob was doing in Machine Head, and so we, we dropped tune and started becoming a little more groove, and uh, Sean ended up moving away. And so the four of us that were remaining... Uh, continued and we became this band called Torque and I was singing and basically we're a machine head wannabe band (laughs) but you know you either evolve like that and try to fit in or you just you know call for what it is and and time to do something else yeah yeah exactly well for me it was yeah yeah we put a time on it did another band for a bit of a while and then I spent the last 20-25 years been doing a being a stand-up comedian so um there you go so it's yeah well you know just uh, do you know what after all of the trials and tribulations of being in a band it was really nice to just be able to go do you know what i can just do what the fuck i like when the fuck i like and i do not have to have a committee meeting about it yes for sure you know and that that just that whole pick that yeah exactly yeah that whole that whole pick up and go really appealed to me but then when the band came back together i was like boy i've you know i've missed this i've missed that kind of band and brothers and that that feeling of being part of a team and all you know you know you win together you lose together and all that kind of thing um, yes yes and and you definitely you know definitely definitely miss that um doing stand-up but but what i was going to say was yeah you know being being young as yourself when we you know when the band first gets going it's kind of weird being this i mean i'm now 49 and 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 you know being being in a band that i started when i was a teenager and that you know, you know, people telling us that we've, you know, we've got an iconic logo and things like that, and you just think, but this was this was all just like a fucking accident, right, right, right. You know, it's just weird how it it comes full circle, and and all these years later, um, it seems as relevant as ever. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and, and for you even, guys as even well. More. Yes, yeah. I think I think even more so. I mean. You know, we never played overseas back back east. We weren't getting the uh, the offers that we are now. We around home, we would sell. I mean, we we sold out two thousand, you know, capacity room shows in in minutes. Some of them in minutes, one in hours. The second show went up in minutes. We sold out all of our merch. It's fucking nuts right now. We go down to L.A. Uh, support Sacred Right. That show sells out in a, in a day. People are going insane. Yeah, yeah, and it's and the thing is, like you said, it's almost like, well, you are you're getting you're getting a chance to do the things that you that that you got denied first time round. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it, and you know, it's we were you know on that third wave of thrash, and it had been seen a little bit. I mean, it helps that uh, you know me and Rob had the, the success in machine head to kind of put it on, but there was no internet back then, you know? So I think that if there were internet back then, then it would have, you know, I think all bands would do better, but I think that we were such an underground thing that, uh, it, it would have caught on 
a little bit more in that. In that cause we were we were kind of we had like the Slayer fans. They're they're ride or dies, you know. They're oh yeah. Well, you're, they're, you're, oh, fuck you, Riley, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's I, uh, uh, Phil. You're, Phil, you're talking to one of those fans right now, so I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, um, good. I'm glad, I appreciate that, and 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 so you understand that you know. Uh, it's one of those things you get, and it's and it's one of those things that sometimes you don't get. You know, Sean's vocals was that tipping point of you know love him or hate him, and uh, he's killing it right now. It's a, it, and I think that the underlying thing that and the thing we haven't even touched on is you know the fact that Sean is even walking this earth right now is it's it's not a miracle, but it's pretty amazing that you know he he got the transplant it took, and we were a year and a half ago from him having surgery. Yeah. So, and he's killing it. He sounds great. You know, he's getting mobility back and uh, getting uh, his his physical strength back. But the fact that, you know, when he texted me in January of 2018, was it 18? No, it was 19. This was just, yeah. That, hey, we should do some shows. I was like, man, the last time I saw you, I thought you were going to, you know, I didn't know if I was going to see you again. Yeah. So it's all a testament to his recovery. Uh, this reunion is all based around Sean Killian right now. Everything else is just a footnote to, you know, how we are lucky to have him with us and doing this. So, Well, absolutely. And that's, and, and, you know, I mean, you know, some people were saying to me like, oh, you know, do you reckon violence will be supporting Sacred Reich on the European tour? And I was like, do you know what? I don't think, you know, just guessing, but I wouldn't think that, you know, Sean would be fit enough for that kind of thing. But also, at the moment, you, kind of, you, you just want to kind of pick and choose your shows, don't you? And, and do those do those special things that you haven't been able to do before. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, and the, uh, you know, all the dudes have jobs. Yeah. Um, so getting away is hard. We're just doing weekend things now, except for this. We're having this uh, Australia. And New Zealand run we're going to do next February, which is going to be a couple of weeks. But that's the extent of it. Everything else has to be on the weekends and work around uh, all these dudes' job schedules. I've got I've got a lot of things that you know I'm I'm doing this hail tour with uh, Zet and Lomenzo and Chris Adler. Yeah, uh, I'm doing Jackson. I'm doing Jackson clinics in the UK and in Germany in in September. Um, so we do this. We're, I'm doing a record with uh, Mike Portnoy and. Uh, Bobby Blitz and Mark Mengi. And uh, so got a lot of, you know, this is, being a musician is my main gig. Yeah. And how's so, that, how's that project is, with, um, how's that project with Blitz looking? What's it? Cause I, it's all been very cryptic at the moment. So I presume I'm not going to get anything more than that out of you now, but, but I, fuck I, it. I can ask, can't I? I can only ask. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's, it's something that just came about and I'm not going to tell you what it is obviously, but it's <laughs> something that just came about uh, <laughs> that, that just came. Hey, let's uh, let's all get together. You know, Mike's got the he's got a, an amazing house out in uh, it's out off uh, kind of on the outskirts of Philly, about a, in Pennsylvania somewhere. I don't fuck, I don't even know. And uh, we all pile in there. He's got this drum room downstairs, and he's got this pool in the back, and a huge house. And let's get together. Let's jam out these uh, jam out these tunes. He recorded his his tracks in a day. Uh, I was out there for basically just a day. Came back the next day, did the did the guitar tracks here. So we're in the we're in the process of tracking, and uh, it's gonna be fun. I don't I'm leaving it up to the dudes to how much we release, but it's it's a fun thing. It's not a project. 
it's a record, basically a, a recorded jam of us, and uh, I think people are going to dig it. Cool, cool. There well, you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, that's that's the most up to date uh, update there is on what this project is. That other than telling me exa- that what it is. Yeah, not a project. Just the record was bros. Cool. Well, that's and, and that's and and funnily enough, just to touch on something back that when you were saying about um, uh, you know um, some people kind of not taking to Sean's vocals. Um, Sean has always been my go-to guy because uh, you know my band was very much the same back in the day, and I was heavily I was either heavily criticized or heavily praised depending on whether you know you like my style as well so Sean has always been my go-to guy for for, for you know when people say well you know don't like the vocal it's like well you know and some people don't like violence because of Sean Killian and I'm I'm happy to be in that camp you know right, um, right, right. but 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 also I think something you said about you know the internet existing back then um I got a load of you know I I'm only finding out now from people that they're saying like no 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 you know we we you know if anything I was into the band because I liked your vocal style and I'm sure the same thing would have happened with Sean as well because now with journalists we're trying to you know write bands off because of a particular member and stuff like that all the fans would have been on their backs online going hey fuck you guys you don't know what you're talking about you know they're, they're fucking right, great right 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 but back in the day all we had was like one journal journalist pronouncing their opinion on your band and and that's kind of it it's like set in stone and that's the end of it um whereas now right. there's just you know you, you you get all of that instant feedback you know sometimes that's not always great but at least you know you have you have that ability to find out what people really think as opposed to you know the chosen few for sure yeah and it's you know, music of all genres has their hipster, you know, elitist that'll, you know. It's kind of look. I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to try and get anything out of you about about Machine Head and everything because I think you've been quite open about the whole situation. So it's kind of like it's kind of like you know old news. But but one mm-hmm. but one thing I did want to touch on was that you know Rob Rob did was very very public after you guys left. Um, and was very public about what you know the reasons why he thinks you left and and all the rest of it. Um, is there any element of you that that kind of read that stuff and thought, isn't it isn't it a shame we couldn't have actually had this conversation or any of this could have been kind of like admitted to before we had to actually just hand our cards in to to make you see how things were going? Oh man, you know, I think that that's the whole break up and the reason it's been pretty pretty discussed as much as I want to. Okay. Um fair enough. It was a relationship and you know, it it got dealt with the way it did. Uh we're going on almost a year since I quit and I think it's done. You know, yeah. I don't I don't think I have too much more to share or expand on that. I think it's all been kinda of said and it's I think that, you know, moving on is it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. It's like any relationship, isn't it? You know, ultimately, yeah. ultimately, it's raw when it first happens, but then as time goes by, it, it's you. Yeah, you have you have to move on, but for you know, for your sake, for his, I mean, you know, he's moved on, you've moved on, you're up. Yeah, everyone's cracking on with their careers, and I guess it's the only the only way is forward. Yeah, and it, it's gotten to the point to where you know. I, I have my personal feelings and, and stuff that I'm still dealing with, but 
I I don't think it needs to be shared anymore. I think yeah. that uh, I love I I love what they're doing with the with the burn my eyes thing. I think it's great for the fans. Um, I, I think it's great for for Logan and Chris to be playing those songs again, and having well, having those songs being played live by those dudes again. So uh, I'm wishing I I wish that band well. Yeah. And uh, and I have so much other stuff going on that you know. We'll let that let that be the focus. I, I I had an amazing time in that band. It was so many highs of my of my career, and and a, an amazing opportunity. Um, fuck, we did some amazing things. You know, we yeah. did some amazing things in that band. I had some magical moments and did some fucking killer stuff. So I want I don't want the two percent to ruin the ninety eight percent. Fair enough. Yeah. So I get that. Uh, let's let let's let that ninety eight percent. <laughs> take over that two percent that's been prevalent in the past, and just say, "Fuck, we made some great records, had some good times, and uh, we'll move on." Yeah, some other cool stuff too. Well, yeah, dwelling on there's no there's no future in the past. You have to move. You have to just keep looking forward. And we're yeah, uh, I'm a very very good friend, almost a lifelong friend of mine is uh, is Andy Sneap, who was on who was on the podcast last month talking about the whole priest trip actually, and um, awesome. I mean, when it first happened, we were, you know, we were WhatsApping like crazy. And he was like, this is, this is actually going to fucking happen. And I'm like, dude, you are oh, that's it's, cool. it's insane. I mean, I was, I was, um, I was, a, I was a guest at Andy's surprise 18th birthday party. Um, oh, right on. Oh yeah. So we, you know, we, we go, we go way back, back to his Sabbath days and all Thanks. the rest of it. And, um, yeah, just to be able to be trading messages with him, and he was just like, you know, fucking hell, dude, you know, I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing. It. I was like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, so much fun. And then the next time I got to see him, we caught up at Bloodstock last year, which they were headlining, and and we hadn't spoken for a while, and he'd been on the road for a few months, and I met up, and I was like, how's it going? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's only yeah, Bloodstock's a fairly small one today, you know, we did seventy thousand this week, and we'd back, and I was like, oh, dude, you're so over this already, aren't you? <laughs> um, but he wasn't. He was just like, oh god, you know, it's just super exciting, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Awesome, yeah, totally cool. Yeah. Now, as now, as regards, um, I, I, you know, obviously, you want to enjoy violence. You want to enjoy all the stuff that you didn't get to do first time round, like playing Europe, like playing the UK for the first time next year, and and all stuff like that. Have you even? kind of even entertained new stuff or is that not something that is even on the menu at the moment you just want to enjoy what you're doing right now um we've talked about it we've been approached by quite a few labels and uh i'm i've started you know i i was of the mind of like let's just let's just do this belgium trip let's do travel together let's see you know the playing live thing we're getting down i don't know where we are as far as like a creative uh, a stage of our relationship, you know, it's all kind of new and getting to know the old dudes back and, and figuring out how committed we are or what's happening. Uh, that's another level T- taking an advance and doing a record and doing business in that sense is an, a, the next level. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm at first second base, you know, with this, with this one right now. So if we're going to third base, you know, we need to, we need to, to, to get, still know each other in that sense. I am going to, uh, I want it to be good. Yeah. 
You Absolutely. Know? I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to just put out something. And it was the same with Sean. I don't want to prop him up there and just go, "Hey, here we are," and have a shitty product. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be good. Yeah. And after those Oakland shows, we knew that it's the live aspect. We fucking got it. And from a creative standpoint, um, I fucking haven't written thrash in a long time. So it took me a while to get back into into th- this playing shape. Yeah. And to um, and just last week, you know, started coming up with some thrash riffs. So I, I think that I don't want to do a record. I think that it's, nobody needs 10 songs. Nobody listens to a fucking record anymore. Don't say, um, don't say that. Our new album comes out on September the 29th. <laughs> <laughs> well, doing, I think doing like maybe three or four tunes and have them pour all the quality into that instead of, you know, concentrating it out. And um, I think that three or four tunes is something that that's possible. So me and Sean will sit down, see what he's got lyrically. Um, and uh, he said, hey, I, last night he's all, hey, I got some lyrics. I'm all, are they political? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Yeah. I don't want any part of that. Well, I would imagine surely he's got some lyrics about, like, you know, uh, near-death experiences, looking back on your life, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, and that's what he said. He said they're kind of, you know, they're 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 non-distinct in that in that sense, and he's not going to write political lyrics. And so that was that was just one thing that I just wanted to be clear on and have full disclosure from the outset. It's just like, man, I I, I don't want to do that. So yeah, so that's where we're at. It's kind of like non-committal at this point. Um. So yeah, we don't know about new stuff yet. Ah, fair enough. I mean, but it, but isn't it nice to have labels chasing you and asking you about that already? It is. It is. It is, and that makes me just kind of hesitant in the fact that you know we we made poor decisions in the past and uh, sacking Debbie Bono make, make make some uh, make some good decisions. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, I'm thinking that another another friend we had in common who unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, I used to see a lot of Debbie Obono when she was over in the UK because she was over here a lot with her bands. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. She, she was an absolute sweetheart. I mean, people don't realise what a mover and shaker she was behind the scene back in the day. She was. She was. She was everybody's buddy and always wanted to help out if she can. She had the resources to help and she always wanted to help. You know, she was really selfless in that sense and like every band in the Bay Area owes her and has paid uh, just so much respect and, and uh, is indebted to her. So we love our Debbie Abono up here. Yeah, yeah. I've slept on more than one hotel room floor um, thanks, to, thank, <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to Debbie when I've had nowhere to go. Um, and just right. been like you know hanging out and partying with um with her uh, with her bands yeah she was she was an absolute diamond she really was, um, awesome. but uh, and you're coming over to the UK to do Bloodstock man you've got no idea how how that went down over here I mean people are losing their minds when that was announced. Um, oh were you there were you there when it went up on the screen? Um, what no I had um, uh, one of our guitarists was there. And and he was he was like putting it out there straight away. Um, our bass player, I think, was uh, had had. I think our bass player was drinking with you guys, or at least 
uh, you know, some of the some of the guys in the band after your Belgian show. Um, okay, awesome. And um, and and like he'd heard about it, and everyone was just going crazy. And and one particular uh, guitarist in our band who is a massive, massive violence fan. And um, so so he's like, look, you know, these dudes these dudes ever tour the UK, we've got to get on that bill and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, I, uh, right you know, now I've, now I've got your number. Well, I'll just basically stalk you until you agree to it. Um, <laughs> well, the, uh, Bloodstock, Bloodstock's an exclusive, so we'll have to do something yeah. after. Well, I, yeah, no, I, I heard that. And, um, um, we haven't been, we haven't, we haven't done Bloodstock for, uh, three years, next year will be four years and we're having your album out. So I hope we're hoping that um, if we do end up playing, we're, we're you know we'll we'll play the hot dog stand if it means it's we're, it's the same day as you guys. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh man, it would be, be fucking amazing. It really would. Um, but we've got. I mean, right. uh, it's just it's great to have you guys back because you know you were you were the band that um, for a lot of people were were the definitive kind of Bay Area band. Um, but also, you, there well, was, I'm glad you think so. Oh, man, there's, there's, it's not just me. You had that, but you also had the, the, that kind of like, there's a chaotic edge to violence that, that is, that is missing from inverted commas other Bay Area bands. There was, and, and, and Sean's vocals added to that, that sense of kind of like chaotic craziness that, that no, I mean, who else, who else would have a song like calling in the, calling in the coroner? I mean, that's just. I know his lyrics are so good, man. Oh, uh, man, that's you know, you know, it's just I've, I've, me and a friend used to um, um, we used to uh, write to each other when he was at university, and we'd always like I'd put you know uh, we'd put first name and then put something stupid in the middle and surname, and we just got in the habit of just just putting violence lyrics between each other's names on letters and then posting them to each <laughs> other, um, and. Um, yeah, sports jacket, cool tie, and wheeling out the body was that was the ultimate it's one. So good. <laughs> it, it is, but it's like it's just it's his unhinged delivery as well that just makes it so unique. Yeah. So, so unique, yeah, totally unique, so good. And, and there fun- was a, I don't know how how well known this story is, but there was a point where Steve uh, Sinclair. He's all, yeah, you're kind of rapping, you know, gasoline injection into the veins, salvation, millions of dead are on their way. You know, he's all, he's kind of rapping in that part. Maybe she, he's trying to get us on some shows with the Beastie Boys and Run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you're right. It is. It's kind of like, yeah, that that's, that is essentially rap. But um, I mean, it, it's such a, like you say, it's such a unique style, such a unique um, uh, and the you know the delivery and the lyrics they they work in tandem. And here's here's a story for you. Um, I was touring in, I was touring in Europe with with my band, and we were playing with Nuclear Assault and Dark Angel. And we were we were touring Europe, and I remember sitting with John um, John Connolly on the bus, and and he came out. We were, we were talking, and we were t- and I'd, I'd had a couple of rough reviews, and we were talking about it. <laughs> And then, um, and he said, "Well, have you heard? Have you heard the dude in violence?" And I was like, "Yeah, Sean Killian, you know." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Now that what that guy is doing with his voice is amazing. It's really interesting. It's really unique. It's really different." So you know, even back then, your your peers were were very much you know very much in awe of what you guys were doing. Ah, oh, cool. 
Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it was it, if I mean, John is not somebody who is who would like you know talk about he he more happily talk about kind of status quo and all sorts of other bands than like you know thrash metal. But um, but when right. it came to like delivery and vocal styles and stuff like that, he was like, no, you know, you've you've got to hear this guy, um, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Um, have you got any? Have you got anything else? Are you got any uh, more shows? You, I mean, you've got February lined up next year over in New Zealand, Australia. You've got Bloodstock. Um, haven't you? You've got. Oh, you've got New York in. Is it November? Yeah, we're doing. Actually, we play. We play Sunday at uh, in Las Vegas at the Cycle Las Vegas. All oh, right. And we play. We're playing the Full Terror Assault Festival in Illinois in September on the seventh. And then we're playing Mexico City on the 12th of October. And then in November, we have two shows in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Bazaar, the 8th and the 9th. And December, we are playing, where are we playing December? We're playing, oh, we're playing Denver on the 7th. And December 14th, we're playing the Decibel uh, Baron Metal Fest down in uh, SoCal. January, uh, and not yet announced show in Texas and Dallas. Uh, February's the, we're doing Puerto Rico. And then we do at the end of February, early March, we do the sacred Reich tour. Uh, we're doing the Maryland death, the Maryland death fest. Is that what's called? Yeah. And we're doing that in May. And, uh, yeah, then Bloodstock in August. That so you've got yeah you've got quite a full uh, quite kind of well for a for a inverted commas part time band you got quite a quite a full menu there. Yeah, once a month, once a month. <laughs> but, that, but that's great as well because it keeps the chops up. Everybody keeps you know it's, it, it keeps their chops up and keeps you engaged. Yes, for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, look, um, I've got some questions from um, I've got some questions from uh, subscribers here. If you wouldn't mind answering a, a few fan questions. Yep, yep. And if you'd like to get the opportunity to ask fan questions, or in fact, to actually listen to the answers, um, then you need to become a patron. Ah, <coughs> oh, yes, how professional of me. Dear me. Hang on, I need to get some water. Wow, uh, even more unprofessional than, the, than normal. Normally, at least I've got some water to hand. In this case, it's just um, uh, cold coffee. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I will live. I will live. Um, so where were we? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to become um, part of the Patreon crew and get a chance to ask questions and then get your own podcast um, that you listen to and you get all the acid rain. Uh, behind the scenes stuff and basically once a month you get lots of exclusive um, uh, content delivered straight to you it's only available if you're on patreon costs five dollars a month i mean it is it's you know it's about four pounds including tax in total um, a month and you get a shed load of content that nobody else gets you get to know all sorts of stuff that's going on um Acid Rain fans are currently getting access to um, to shirts that aren't available uh, to anybody else yet. Um, so there's all sorts of bonuses to becoming a patron. Just go to uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith and sign up. 
Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Howard H. Smith. And there we go. That's enough of that bollocks. But it seemed like the perfect place to do that bollocks because obviously Phil and I were talking about that bollocks right there. What a cool interview. And, and, and you know, um, I he did call me a couple of days after the interview and there is about five minutes that I've taken out of that uh, interview on um, Phil's request. Very cool uh, chat that I had with him. And, um, uh, but there was, there was things discussed about other bands that he felt, you know, might just be seized upon by blabbermouth. And I think he was probably absolutely spot on. So damn it. (laughs) Damn. Mr. Chance to get all that shit kicking off. Not at all. Rather that, I'd rather do an interview with him and he enjoys it and comes on again than, uh, than he comes on once and it gets all over blabbermouth and he thinks, yeah, I'm not going to do that one again. So anyway, uh, very cool. Really enjoyed talking to him. Obviously, I was completely fanned out, gig, geeking out, fanning out, holidaying out all at once. So, um, yeah, forgive me if it all got a bit fanny, but I couldn't help myself. Got a bit fanny, mate. Anyway, where were we? Slipknot album. That's where we were. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, God, bloody hell. Corey Taylor thinks uh, must think he's the only person who's ever had a divorce. Um, it's all right, mate, yeah? No, you've been divorced. Oh, you've got somebody in your band called Tatia Man, have you? And a mate of mine said, oh, you know, do you, do you want to go? Do you want to get tickets to go and see him? And I was just like, do you know what? No. Um, I've been every time they've come over. Um, I was at their first ever show, as I know I've mentioned on here many times, I was at their first ever UK gig at the Astoria. Um, and uh, and I'm done now. And it's kind of like, it's just sort of three or four of them now that were in it originally. And um, I know, acid rain, fuck off. Um, but yeah, it's just, no, I'm just not going to do it. Simple as that. I am not going to do it. Um, maybe if I like more stuff off the new album, but, um, I didn't. So there, um, what stuff am I liking? Now there's, now there's, right, let's go on to some cool stuff. Okay. Some cool stuff. Um, I have to say I'm very late to the party on this and I have to thank, um, the acid rain photographer, John Crisp for getting me into this guy, for, for getting to me in, into these guys. It's a band called Turnstile. Right now, it's a hardcore, very hardcore, but in a kind of new school and old school kind of way. I fucking love it. The album is called um, Time and Space. It's 25, 25 minutes long. Um, and I think we have less than 10 tracks or we have 10 tracks. And But it is absolutely superb. Really like it. Anybody who's vaguely into hardcore, anybody who's vaguely into... So Rage Against the Machine as well. It gets very Rage Against the Machine at times. Um, which I know sometimes you think, oh God, because nobody can really be Rage other than, other than Rage. But it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, definitely worth a listen to. Um, and, um, and also another album that I've got at the moment which is the King Gizzard. Um, oh, oh, fucking hell. Just had a, 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 got a, got a tweet from PayPal. Hi there. Thank you for contacting Pay, PayPal. I apologise for any con- inconvenience caused to you. understand your concern. Please send us DM, DM along with your PayPal email address so I can assist you further. Thank you. You can't help me, you cunts. That's what I really want to reply. Fuck it bastards i'm gonna have to deal with this so fucking hell well and truly off on all sorts of tangents so anyway yes that was um 
Turnstile, fucking really, really good album. Um, bought the CD, massively into it. Um, just fucking loving it. Absolutely loving it. Um, as I am another album, and I'm just getting to it because this is this is a weird one. Um, King Gizzard and the Lizard infest the rat's nest 2019 now i'm completely new to this band massively out of date and unknowledgeable apparently they are 15 albums out fucking what 15 jesus um excuse me um mm, 15 albums out um it's it's weird it's a weird mixture of kind of fucking indie uh kinker the Cure, Metallica, Johnny Cash. I mean, I, I, look, I've not done. I've not listen to Turnstile, listen to King Gizzard. Make your own mind up. Um, they, but they, they really are worth turning your ears towards. Um, it's definitely two bands, two albums that I would give a listen to. Something that is a little bit, you know, it's not metal, um, and um, and therefore you may find challenging. But challenge yourselves. It's it's good shit, man. It really is. I'm I'm well into it. And like I said, already got the CD of Turnstile and loving that album. Loving it. Um, we've also got a new Agnostic Front album on the uh, uh, on the way called Get Loud. That's going to be coming our way before the end of the year. That's always good news. Um, KK KK Downing, just shut up, mate. Just shut up. Yeah, your 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 autobiography should have been called I've sunk all of my money into a golf project and it's all gone wrong and now I'm having to write this please buy it that's really what it should be will slag off Judas Priest for food <laughs> that's the sign KK should be wearing around his neck oh, oh bless anyway um, and now on to one of just the most awesome fucking parts of the month Tom Warrior's interview with Rolling Stone go on Tom give it some he does not give a shit on um, Metallica recently doing... I mean, I've said to Rob and Kirk before, packing, doing your doodles, they're embarrassing. But they did a Celtic Frost one. Tom says, and I quote, They butchered it and it was humiliating, he told Rolling Stone. Why don't they leave their, million, their millionaire fingers off it? They've long lost the ability to play true metal, in my opinion. Maybe I should go on stage and do a really miserable version of Hit the Lights with like 200 mistakes just to set the balance. Fucking hell. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have even gone that harsh, Tom, but, you know. Don't die wondering. Let Tell us all what you think. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, pretty pretty um, outspoken and, and sort of out of nowhere as well. You know, what's Tom been up to? Why are all of a sudden... I was going to say the Royal Mail for some reason. Rolling Stone. So keen to interview um, yeah, Tom Warrior. I don't know. Very strange. Very, very, very strange. So, um, anyway, next up, it's my old mate, Kim Hooker. That's right. He, formerly of Tiger Tales and now um, of the Bare Knuckle Messiahs. Um, but more talking about um, about them um, with him now this is great the first time we've well you'll hear first time chance we've had a, 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 to catch up in years lots of talk about the the old days and um, 
and um, and yeah, it's just it was just really really cool. It was like going back in time. Really enjoyed it. So um, next up, it is my very good friend Kim Hooker, for, formerly of Tiger Tales, and now of the Bare Knuckle Messiahs. This is uh, Kim and I catching up a few weeks ago. Hello, buddy. Hey, I'm going to be speaking. How's that? Oh, that's better. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. What's going on, fella? It's been a long time. Fuck. I, I mean, I, I, I dread to think how long. <laughs> um, thought it'd be 20 years or more, haven't <laughs> I know, it's, it's a laugh, isn't it? I mean, 20 years. I know, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? probably longer than that actually um i think it is you know because i think i think the last time i um the last time i saw you was um when i came and did a i came and guested with you at newcastle mayfair yeah 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 and i lived uh, that would have been i I think that's 1990 actually wasn't it um no i think i think i i think well i don't know i think i was living there at the time if i was living there it was it was more like Probably ninety two. Well, you you wouldn't have come otherwise, would you? Unless <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, uh, yeah, yeah. Unless it was local, so you must have been living there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I, well, well. The thing is, I I moved. I kind of, I kind of sort of stayed with friends a long time. I used to go up there and spend sort of you know sections of time up there, and then I ended up moving up there full time. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah, I got up and did um. P cells, but who's buying with you? <laughs> and I, I kept go, I kept going over I kept going over to you and getting uh, and getting tips for the lyrics because I couldn't remember the lyrics. Was... Do you know something? Um, we played Hard Rock Hell a few years ago, and um, I said to Kim McCullough from Girls School, "Will you get up and do Ace of Spades with us?" And she did, but she didn't know the words. <laughs> yeah. And she actually said, I'm not sure the, the, the words. And I thought, well, hang on. <laughs> How can that possibly be? <laughs> well, it, I, the thing is, I know the words to peace sells, but who's buying? But uh, I just like, you know, just sort of, you know what it's like? There's, there's, like, there's knowing the words and then there's performing the song. You know what I mean? Uh, and and, and it's like, yeah, it's just a... It's just a, a weird one, yeah. Well, that was, I, th- I think that was the third time I did um, I did thrash karaoke with you guys. Um, <laughs> I think once once me and Kev came to Bradford. Me and Kev came and saw you in Leeds, and then yeah. and, and then I jumped up with you in in Newcastle. But I remember that I remember the Leeds show as well because I don't I, I I don't think I've ever I've never ever seen a gig there other than you guys, and I can't even remember where it was. Um. Do you know something? Neither can I. <laughs> but to be to be fair, I'm struggling to remember anything these days. <laughs> oh, this, this is going to be a fun interview. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <we> started. <laughs> oh yeah, mate. We've we, we've we've full on started the minute you picked up the phone. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all, uh, mate. You haven't said you haven't said anything remotely controversial or offensive. But please, well, do. I, I try not to. I mean, you know, my philosophy is: if you've got something bad to say about someone, don't say anything at all. Um, well, my, my know, and, sorry, my philosophy is: um, if you haven't got anything nice to say about anybody, come and sit next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you, anyway? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I've got albums coming out in September, new singles out, and you know, it's um. It's well, bit... that, that'll be the, the new low then. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's so been doing his homework. Time, but... Good work, mate. Good well, work. To be honest with you, um, I watched a video and I, I honestly, honestly thought it was fantastic. I really did. I was really, you know, I was really pleased um, that you've done something so good. You know, when you when you come back, um, I absolutely loved it. To be fair. Your, your video was kind of exactly the kind of thing I wanted to do with mine. Right. Uh, it didn't quite turn out that way, but <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly... Um, well, I should say the Blood Brothers video, shouldn't I? Really, I suppose. Well, I was going to say, um, let's, yeah. let's, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about you, mate. So, um, so, what, so, you know, uh, for the I'd benefit, not, for the benefit gonna... of everybody listening, what, um, uh, what are you doing now? Because, of course, you, you know, you, you sort of walked away from Tiger Tales. What was it? 2012 uh, you know to be honest with you again I don't know I, I think it was probably 10 years ago uh, it, it, I really don't know I mean I suppose we should start there really yeah um, you know for me as you know yourself you know I mean we go back you know to the music for Nations Day don't we that's where we first really you know knew each other I think that's the first. Um, I think that's the first. Pl- I think we actually met at the Music for Nations offices, and and I think we, yeah. we met, and it was like, it was almost like you know, thrash band meets glam band, but it's like, well, no, it's two bands on the same label, and we all, and and we just hit it off there and then. Well, do you know something? You know, uh, going back to that time, um, it really bothered me at the time when you know people started to, and I I spoke about, about this back then when people started saying. Well, there's, you know, there's glam bands, there's fash bands, there's speed metal bands. Because to me, it was all, you know, the same kind of came from the same place. Um, you know, because I grew up listening to Rainbow, um, you know, in the 70s, Rainbow, Ted Nugent, uh, Kiss, obviously, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest. You know, I started going to shows when I was 14 or 15, um, like seeing Judas Priest on the, you know, the British Steel Tour and things like that. And, you know, it was music that I loved. And still do. In actual fact, I'm still listening to exactly the same things. All I've done is basically just rebought all my stuff I bought in the 70s on iTunes. Right. Um, but, you know, I still listen to Kiss Alive every day. I'm still listening to 10 Years and Double Live Gonzo, Scorpions, Tokyo Tapes. It's still exactly the same music. And it really worried me back then that kind of, you know, basically metal bands were kind of being shifted into these different categories because I only saw that that would lead to basically, you know, metal suffering for it. Um, and I think it did, you know. I think when the 80s came along, and I mean, I'm sure many people listening to this will think, well, you know, you're one of the prime suspects of that. But um, I think in many ways the 80s kind of ruined metal in a way, you know. Maybe later on in the 80s it just got ridiculous. And, uh, you know, as I say, I'm sure people think, well, yeah, well, you were part of that. But, um, yeah, I agree, kind of thing. But yeah, it bothered me back then that, you know, people were kind of picking us, you know, the likes of us and Acid Rain kind of against each other because uh, I don't, well, we never were, were we? You, you know, you were there. No, well, exactly. And the thing is, I mean, I I mention you guys um, whenever I'm like interviewed and it, and start it sort of starts drifting back to the old days. Invariably, um, you know, I've mentioned you guys in a few in a few interviews because, um, and funnily enough, in the um, uh, we released a, a box set in 2014 called the Apple Core Archives, which was basically everything um, that you know we'd ever done, and. Um, uh, and Pepsi, you know, there's a kind of memorial piece about Pepsi in there, 
um, uh, in the sleeve notes. And you know, we this is what I was. This is what I always explain to people is that like you guys for for we were so we we were so similar as bands musically image wise we couldn't have been any different but but as, but as bands i always you, I, I i always say about you guys you 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 know you might have looked and put a great deal of care into your appearance but we 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 you were the only guys we ever met who gave, who who didn't give a fuck as much as us do you know what i mean yeah yeah you know, we yeah, there, there, there was always that there was like that that mutual who gives a shit, and that's why you know you used to come and see us, and we used to come and we used to come and see you because it was just like you know I don't know we had we had we had a closer affinity with you guys than we did with most thrash bands. Well, you know the thing is, you know that is the thing we all don't give a fuck, and that's why we're all into heavy metal. That's basically you know that's the way it always has been for me. But you know I can remember uh, Nuclear Assault actually uh, played in Cardiff and. Uh, We'd, we'd met them um, a few weeks before in London, so they dragged Pepsi up on stage. <laughs> 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 and everyone everyone was just spitting at it, to be fair, including myself, because I was really fucking <laughs> to that point. But, uh, you I, know, oh, it was a laugh, you know. It was just fun, wasn't it? He'll have loved that. <laughs> Hang on. Was that St. David's Hall? He did love it. It was St. David's Hall, yeah. I, do you know what? We were supporting. I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, we, we met them, didn't we? I think that they came over, I think, uh, they were over at the time for some, doing some press, I think. And we met them then and then went to the St. Davis Hall show. Awesome, man. But, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, you, you would... I mean, do you remember them spitting on him? <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah, it was just fucking ridiculous. But it's like, yeah, he didn't give a shit. He did not give a shit. No. Um, but, you, you know, I mean, going going back to that time as we kind of we kind of gone off track a bit um yeah i mean when pepsi died um i kind of we you know we knew it was coming for a year a good year we, we he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and we were told you know exactly what was going to happen so there was never any doubt yeah um so i, I was kind of prepared for it i prepared myself for that every day you know i was thinking about the day i go to his funeral for a good year and then you know when he finally did die uh, it, it was just horrendous. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in truth, I mean, he was, if he wasn't Pepsi, I wouldn't have been in the band in the first place. He was the one that wanted me there. Um, and, you know, I was a friend of his before uh, Tiger Tales. We always used to hang out together. Well, I was in Rankelton at the time. And uh, myself and Fox, the guitarist, would always be over Pepsi's house every day till two or three in the morning, kind of, you know, sharing stories about how we were going to take on the world in our respective bands and, you know, our dreams. So um, you know, it was him that actually got me in the band, and if it wasn't for him, I, I would have I wouldn't have been where I am today. So uh, when he kind of went, um, in fairness to Jay, we, we had a meeting, and he said, "Well, look, you know, what do we do? Do we just make the Tiger Tail site a tribute site, or should we carry on?" And I did say carry on, um, but then you know, after a while, it, I just felt like we were conning people, really, and you know, two old friends of the band who I won't mention, but who you know well as well. Um, I kind of spoke to them, and they said, well, really, what you should have done is gone out, done a few shows as a tribute, and then, you know, called it a day. So that, that's kind of the way I got to thinking. Uh, and, you know, there was other things as well. I just, I, as you know yourself, being in a band like that takes up so much of your time. And it was other things I hadn't done for years, you know, even it, it, just like stuff like riding my motorcycle, you know, and stuff like that. 
I missed a load of uh, meetings I would have liked to have gone to. So I just really decided that I just didn't really want to do it anymore, really, you know, and my heart wasn't in it. Um, you know, I mean, he was such a driving band. I, I would honestly say, you know, he was probably 90% of the band and I was just a bit player. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think it was time to go and I, I did. Right. And and was it difficult, though? I mean, uh, you know, you were... You were you, yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, it, it sounds like it was a very different kind of band um, w- without Pepsi, as it were, and and it just it wasn't it wasn't for you. Well, it wasn't it wasn't difficult because I'd actually well let me just I'll wind back a bit. I mean, when the band got back together, um, we actually did better shows than we've ever done. I mean, we, you know, we played with Kiss, Motley Crue, Judas Priest. Uh, Motley Crue was Pepsi's last gig, and I, you know, I remember it was the Gods of Metal Festival in Italy. And, um, you know, the gig was fantastic. The crowd was fantastic. And I remember walking off the stage and looking at him thinking, I'm, I'm never going to do this again. Um, and, you know, I was right. I, I didn't. Um, so, you know, it was hard. But, you, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you carry on. Did, did, you, did you know at the t- I mean, did you guys, did, did Pepsi know at the time that, that he was ill when you were playing with Motley Crue? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, uh, he'd already been... You know, he was, he was, at the time, you know, he was taking heavy medication, but, it, you know, and I could start to see the signs as well, you know, um, in him physically. It was very, very, as you know, he was a big guy, wasn't he? He was, a, you know, yeah. a very big guy, naturally. Well, um, everyone's big to me, he... mate. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> fat man. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, he, he, he always, he, he always watched his weight, you know, he was, he was, he was one of those kind of people, just a naturally kind of big person. And, you know, by the time we uh, got to the Gods of Metal Festival, there was nothing left of him, literally. Um, but so, you know, so that kind of happened. Um, but no, it, when I finally went, it wasn't actually, it wasn't that hard because I'd actually left the band a, a year before people knew. Oh, right. um, we kind of carried on with a few different lineups, so I, I think we were trying to find um, kind of some kind of common ground, you know, where we carry on. So, you know, there was a lot of lineup changes, which, uh, you know, I didn't really like either. I mean, you know, I, I kind of believe a band is a unit, and, you, you know, you need to believe in that. And, you know, there were times when I didn't even know who was going to be in the band next, you know, when I turned up for rehearsal. So, you know, that was another thing. I got sick of the lineup changes. Um you know, uh, and yeah. in the end, it just it just became like, well, you know, when Ace came back, I mean, you know, kind of, Jay was press-ganged into getting Ace Finchon back, because kind of then we thought, well, if there's three original members, if you like, I know Stevie James was there before me, but if there's three members from the Desert Kinder, maybe it will be credible. Yeah. So we had Ace back, we did two shows, and um, at the second show is in Ireland, and we decided then, we, we said, oh, well, you know, let's, let's take it. It must have been about three months before Christmas, because I remember them saying, let's take three months away from each other, you know, and some time off, and then we'll see each other after Christmas. So it was around that time of the year. And, you know, to me, the three months felt like three days. And then, so it, you know, the three months went into four months. And, and then before I knew it, it was, you know, I, I said to them, I just, I didn't really want to come back. And, um, 
you know, that, that situation went on for a good year in, until finally they announced I'd gone. So, you know, by the time they announced that, I'd been out of the band a year anyway. So, and I kind of, you know, kind of realised I wanted to do something different musically because I was writing songs all the time. Um, and I thought, well, you know, Pepsi's not on the band anymore. Really, I could, I could, if it's just down to playing these songs, I could do this, you know, on my own. And that, that was really it, really. Nothing more. I mean, there was no bad feeling, um, you know, on my part towards anybody in the band or, or anyone that's ever been in it or anyone that's in it now for that matter, you know. I mean, I, I know people that, um, have met the new members in the band now and, uh, they tell me they're very, very nice people and I'm sure they are. Well, that's, I mean, it, it, ultimately, it sounds like it was it was just kind of a, um, it was just sort of well meant to be. Um, and and I know what you mean about constant lineup changes. It just kind of you know it it, it sort of diminishes um, that that kind of feeling of all for one, as it were. Um, and if you and like yeah, you know, I, I I think sometimes you just need to accept the inevitable. No, you know, I'm personally. I wouldn't want to see Motley Crue without Nicky Six. I wouldn't want to see Kiss without Gene Simmons. And I certainly want, wouldn't want to see Motorhead without Lemmy. And obviously Motorhead would like that as well, you know. Um, and for me, it, Pepsi T was, it w- was that kind of person, you know. He really was. As I say, he's 90% of the band. I just did my little bit, which was basically, you know, whatever he told me to do. And that was that. That was my contribution. Um, so, yeah, I just couldn't, I just couldn't really see any real point and you know there was another thing I remember as well um, we were playing in Spain and I had um, Stuart Cable from the Stereophonics had a band together at the time called Killing for Company and I had yeah. spoken to Stuart and we'd arranged to meet up at the Download Festival the week after I was playing in Spain it was a, a hard rock uh, hell festival over there um, so I'd arranged to meet Stuart the next week at uh, Download and I had a phone call in the morning uh, from a friend back in the UK that told me Stuart had died. Uh, and I just thought, you know, this is it's just too much now. You know, people I know are dying. Um, and, I, I, you know, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think it was age. I kind of got to the point where I thought, you know, they, as you get older, you realise there's more to life than, you know, things you, you know, you've been doing up until that point, you know, there's other things you want to do morbidly before you die. And I think that's the point I got to, to be honest with you. So, you know, there was no one thing, really, and it was certainly no ill will or bad feeling towards anyone else. It was just, it was down to me, really. I just, it, my heart wasn't in anymore, I suppose you could say. So, and it also sounds like it was, it was a, a kind of, a, a life change, as in, do you know what? You know, I've been doing this a long time, and there, and as you say, there's other stuff I want to do. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I and you know, I, really, I thought I was conning people. I think because, you know, it, all the line of changes, Pepsi wasn't there, and I, I kind of, I looked, I, I remember that gig in Spain, and I kind of looked at, you know, the fans in the audience, and I thought. You know what? I don't know if your heart is in this anymore either, or, or if you just kind of. It almost felt like they were coming to see us out of pity, you know? Right. Um, uh, it, it might be totally in my head, because <laughs> I am mental. But um, <laughs> no, I just thought, you know, come on, you know, pull your socks up, you know, do something else, you know, just sort yourself out, really. Uh, I, I think I, you know, I kind of felt stale and all kinds of things. But, um, and also, there was, I mean, the songs I've been writing really were, uh, at that time, were nothing like 
you know, it, I don't think anyone would have thought it was it was me it, with the mind associations Tiger Tales anyway. It was, uh, you know, the stuff was totally different. So as I say, you know, I mean, I, I mean, as you know, Pepsi was a massive Megadeth fan. Uh, you know, yeah. all the stuff he listened to was that, you know, that kind of stuff, Metallica, Megadeth, you know. Um, and all of us actually in the band, I think with the exception of Ace, it was more into the glam side of things. G was a massive Aussie fan, you know, Randy Rhodes, all that kind of stuff. Um, so none of us really, uh, you know, were really into what we kind of became known for. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think I think that's, you know, people listening will kind of find that um, quite surprising. But I mean, I remember having conversations with you all about like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, Fucking hell, you know, the, the you know, the new, new, what do you think of the new Metallica album and stuff like that, and <laughs> you know, going down to Music for Nations and and raiding the cupboard and you know, getting all, <laughs> getting all the latest thrash CDs that you could fucking carry. Um, we did that as well. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! Of course we did. That's best thing. <laughs> best thing about being yeah, on the know. label. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, you know, I mean, I can say this now, obviously, but I think you know, Pepsi used to take a load of albums and sell them in the market. And oh, mate, I did exactly the same. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was living in um, when I when I when I first moved to Newcastle, you know, and I was I was like just crashing on people on crashing on people's sofas and um uh and you know, all mates who were it was really cool. So I I was still sort of making the occasional trip to um uh to Music for Nations whenever in London I'd call in. And then, and I, and you know, and I'd always say like, oh, you know, any chance of uh, a little, uh, a little rummage round in the cupboard? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go for it. So I'd just be in there filling my boots, and then I'd be straight down the secondhand shop. <laughs> I'd go right here, we go. Got all, all the, you know, all all this brand new stuff in, you know, in cellophane, and uh, you know, they give us top money for it, and then we'd go out. I'd go out. I'd get all the people who would like, you know, put me up, and and uh, we'd go out on the piss. Um, well, I tell you something. It's a shame eBay wasn't around back in the day, wasn't it? Oh, mate, we'd we'd, we'd, we'd have both retired by now. <laughs> without it, yeah, yeah. Without, do you know what? It's funny you mentioned download there. One of my one of my um, favourite memories of Pepsi is um, is being at the old Donington Monsters of Rock. Um, I think it was probably the Bon Jovi one because I think that's the last one I went to. And bumping into Pepsi at about eleven o'clock, he, he already couldn't walk in a straight line. This is eleven o'clock in the morning, yeah, right. And he already couldn't walk in a straight line, and it was like it, it was it was kind of like a dishevelled version of the stage version of Pepsi. You know, he still had like you know he'd still gone for the hair, but you could see that he'd like you know he'd been camping. And yeah. uh, and he was just and he was off his tits at eleven in the morning. It was just like and he was just it, you know the the usual you know effusive fucking welcome you know oh hello how are you and all these just fucking you know big hugs and where you know where are you all staying and stuff like that and then, and we were, we were chatting for ages and of course I just remember people I remember people sort of walking around us and kind of looking at us like kind of museum objects because we were. Um, it's like there's this guy who's clearly banging to his glam, and I was like, you know, I was dressed as a typical thrasher in a thrash uniform. Do you know what I mean? Um, and yet there we were, like having a great chat and having a laugh, and people sort of looking at us, going like, "Oh, what's going on there?" Because yeah. it, it was still Did kind of trying to get off with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> but um, but I, it's funny because I, I remind people of the, of the, those times when we when you know when when we were all around that it's like. 
Well, as you were saying, when you first started listening to metal and everything, there was one genre. I mean, that's you tell people that's now. I mean, Christ, the amount of different genres there are now. It's just yeah. unbelievable the way it's all, you know, organically just spread out. But, you know, when we first started doing this, that's why, you know, thrash was a big thing because it was completely new. It was it was the first time that we had, I mean, you know, glam was born of hard rock and and it, and it was kind of like, thrash was born of punk and and those two sort of you know became the big things of the uh, of the 80s yeah and and it was the beginning of those of uh, like oh right we're you know we're, we're we're spreading out we're getting more and more genres we're getting more and more music um but to a certain extent also also you know more and more divisions which you know potentially still exist today yeah and it's I, although yeah, although, you know, to be fair, I kind of find, you know, your rock crowd kind of more um, accepting these days. Yeah. You know, I mean, we played Sweden Rock, and, um, you know, the headline acts that year were Deep Purple, White Snake, and um, uh, Death Leopard. And, you know, they also had on the bill the street, which, you know, surprised me, but they asked you know, went on very, very, very well indeed. Um, and, you know, they, 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 kind of, they kind of seem more open-minded. I don't know if it's just a Sweden thing. No, I think I think you're right. Um, I mean, I think now, well, put it this way. I remember going to see Slayer on the Rain in Blood tour with Malice supporting. And um, Malice pretty much just got, you know, just covered in, in spit every night. Um, yeah. including the time I saw them. And like you said, when, you know, when Pepsi went on stage with Nuclear Assault, and all, that would never happen now. No, that, no. That, well, I, I can remember Dan Bilker actually saying, you know, getting a bit pissed off with the crowd, saying, hey, this is my fucking friend, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that actually they had an arm wrestling thing, I remember. And I think they, it was one all. Um, you know, I, I remember actually... <laughs> They walked in and we saw the spies on Dan Dilka. We <laughs> none of us to go around wrestling him, so we kind of pushed Pepsi in his direction. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, going back to that uh, Donington thing, was that the time he kind of had a, a bit of a rough with someone from Biohazard? Oh, it might have been. Yeah, it might that, have been. Well, I I was actually there um, with our drum at the time, Andy Skinner, who's now in, in Bare Knuckle Messiahs. Um, and we basically, we knew the state he was in, so we kind of kept our distance from him. And, um, you know Michelle from Roadrunner? Yeah? Who? Michelle from Roadrunner. Oh, God, yeah, there's a name I remember from back in the day. Yeah, well, I remember Michelle coming up and saying, um, oh, he's, he's got into trouble over there, he's fighting biohazard or something. <laughs> and we were just, oh you know, fucking just leave him. You know, we just didn't want to know, to be honest, because we had a shitful by that time. Um, but a funny story is, uh, he was in such a state. We actually went up in his BMW and we kind of found him at, at the end of the, at the end of the gig. Uh, and he was unconscious by then. So we carried him into his car, stuck him on the back seat and I drove home. Um, and I drove to my house and there was, there was a real dark, dingy lane uh, there called Birdie's Lane. So <laughs> I drove, it was probably about five, six in the morning, I drove the car down in, tempted at the end of the lane with him in the back, and I just went home to bed. And he ran me the next day and said,
said he woke up, he opened his eyes and thought, oh, I feel terrible. And he said, oh, I've got to drive all the way home now from, from Donington. He didn't realise he was actually, a, you know, two minutes walk from where he actually lived. Um, that's, <laughs> that's the state he was in, you know. He managed to cut into his car, drive him all the way home from Donington to South Wales. Uh, and he woke up the next morning thinking he was still in Donington. But, you know, that's the kind of person. You know, and to be fair, you know, in the end, as I say, he died of pancreatic cancer. And he was 110%, you know, he smoked, he drank all the time, as you know. Um, and maybe in the end that, you know, that had something to do with it. Well, yeah, um, maybe. But having said that, do you know what? I lost um, I lost a friend of mine um, two, three years ago again to Patrick, pa- uh, Patrick, pa- pa- pancreatic cancer. God. And um, it's it's an it's an absolute fucker. And do you know what? Um, he had a wife, two kids. He didn't smoke. He'd never smoked. He hardly drank. Um, and, you know, he was taken you know, uh, well, he was. I think he was about. He's about my age, about forty-nine. Yeah. Um, forty-nine. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on now, I'm kidding. Go on, yeah. <laughs> I, know I know you're a wee lad. <laughs> oh, you cheeky bastard! Um, Hi. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so, um, so, what, so you you were talking about. Um, uh, and let's go back to that. Did you actually see any of this fucking fight between Pepsi and... Was it Billy from Biohazard? Do you know, I've no idea. The first thing I actually saw was um, a picture of some chairs being thrown in Koran. And that, that was it. <laughs> ah, right, OK. So the first you actually knew of it was, was like Koran reporting on it the following week. Well, it, it was Michelle saying, you know, take the fucking fucker home, <laughs> you know, because he's fighting with Biohazard. And we were just, oh, just, you know. I mean, he, he was such a full-on kind of character. There were times when the best thing to do was keep away from him. You know, I remember recording the Berserk album in um, Great Newford Manor in Milton Keynes. And a friend of his, uh, well, he's a friend of the whole band, actually, but basically Pepsi's school friend, a guy called Damon Rochefort, who's now um, a scriptwriter for Coronation Street. All right. Um, at the time... He had a, had a dance single out, and he went under the name of Nomad, called Devotion. And, um, you know, most people who hear the song, I won't sing it, because I'm not Sharon, and uh, who sang it, and I'm not uh, a black lady. <laughs> um, although some would argue the point. But um, So Damon came up to Great Linford Manor, um, basically, you know, on a high, because his single, I think, had just gone number two in America. So obviously he was making a fortune. And um, Pepsi had saved up the wine all week from uh, from the meals, and him and Damon downed all his wine and then just smashed the plates of smithereens, honestly. Um, at the time, I remember that the engineer was uh, Gordon Bonner from Heavy Packing, and he knew what was going to happen, so he locked up basically all the studio control room, but the rest of the place, they just ran amok, you know, just smashed the place to bits. And I remember being at the bottom of the stairs, and Pepsi came flying down the stairs, fell uh, the whole flight of stairs and was out cold laying at my feet. And then he just kind of come around, shook his head and just, you know, off he went again, smashing everything, you know, the TV. Um, I woke up the next day, there was a big tub of margarine in the fridge with a big handprint in it where someone had just grabbed it. There was a knife stuck in the wall where someone had thrown a knife. And we spent the whole, you know, night trying to clean the studio up. There was doors kicked off, uh, you know, there was it was a registered building. Um, but the funniest sight was seeing Pepsi, who just, didn't have any DIY skills whatsoever, going to B&Q the next day, find some wood, <laughs> and trying to fix the doors. <laughs> and I tell you 
tell you another thing he did as well. He was so pissed off with him. He finally collapsed in bed. And um, I had some black hair dye. And I poured it all over his head. I thought, well, this will be funny, because when he wakes up, he'll have black hair. But what I didn't realise was, he, in the middle of the night, he kind of rolls around everywhere. So all the bed clothes had died, so they have to be thrown away as well. Um, and, I mean, a long short of it is we had a massive studio bill to pay, uh, smashed up all the cutlery. And I remember the next day, we thought we cleaned it all up. And myself and Jay were sat at breakfast uh, with the studio manager stood there as well. And Jay kind of looked at me and looked up at the ceiling. And it was still a slice of pizza stuck to the ceiling. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, that, that, we, all, we all did that, didn't we, surely? <laughs> I tell you what, I just love, I, I, I love this, this fucking rock and roll story. Pepsi smashing the place up, you know, full, full of rock and roll style. But then... <laughs> It's it's you know it, it, there's something about uh, Americans can pull that off and they're really good at it, but us oh, Brits yeah. we put we do it and then the following morning you go shit we better tidy this up go to B and Q and try and start fixing everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a registered building as well, so there was him at B and Q coming back with some wood and a hammer and some nails. There was us trying to clean the place up, and then the worst thing is we broke the Hoover, <laughs> so that was something else we had to pay for. <laughs> we were trying to clean the place up, but yeah, we were you know. You know, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> okay, now that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I tell you what, another story actually at the time in the other studio there was a band, um, Terraplane. Oh uh, right, I remember them. Other, yeah, in the other studio with um, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran, and of course they, you know, they became Thunder, which uh, I believe they they called themselves Thunder because I think Andy Summers had a, a solo album. Uh, Andy Taylor had a solo album called Thunder. And I, I think that's where they got the name from. But, uh, yeah, that was the same time we were in, uh, doing the Berserk album. Yeah, because you... Well, I I remember... Because um, at, this, at this time, like, when you were working on Berserk, we were... We were we were um, writing and recording Obnoxious, and I remember sort of speaking to the label quite a lot, speaking to Mimi um, and... Uh, and and Martin and 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 always I'm you know I would always ask after you guys you know what what are Tiger Tails up to um, and 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 um, I think it was Jem was always Jem's stock response was just like they're still recording the fucking album yeah and and every time I asked it was just they're still recording the fucking album because you were in yeah. there for some time weren't you. Oh man, it was, it was a fucking nightmare to be honest with you. I mean, um, oh, <laughs> it was such a frustrating thing because it, it just seemed to take forever. Um, I mean, you know, Pepsi was always the first person uh, to want to start in the morning and the last person to leave. Um, we actually, we actually, I, I tell you what happened in the middle of it as well is. Um, Chris Tangaridis was producing the album, went off to do the Judas Priest album, Painkiller. Um, and I think, I think he was only away for a week, two weeks at the most to do this Judas Priest album. And I remember um, sitting in my car um, and a track from that Priest album came on, uh, Painkiller, the title track. And I remember thinking, fucking hell, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. You know, our album doesn't sound anything like that. And then I thought, hmm, maybe the fact is Judas Priest playing an instrument has got something to do with it. But um, no, I mean, again, in the studio, I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, you know, that time smashing the place to bits was just one instance, you know, 
I mean, I think we were all above 40 stone area when we came out of there. Um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, Chris, Chris Tangaridi's liked to work in, you know, he likes to have a vibe kind of going with the band, you know, and um, a lot of the time we've just had the wrong talking, to be honest with you. And then, <laughs> you know, we, Chris would say, oh, well, Martin Hooker's coming up from London, he wants to hear something, so we just turn everything up as loud as we could. And he'd come along and go, hmm, yeah, sounds good. And then he'd again, and uh, we'd have another few weeks in the studio. So, you know, we, we were happy. We didn't have anything else to do at the time anyway. So we were getting free food and uh, free drink. The, the thing is, and I know this with a lot of bands, is that at the time you think, oh, this is great, I'm really enjoying it, etc. And then, and, but you kind of forget that you're paying for it, that you're paying for it. Yeah, yeah. You think the label's well, but... paying for it, but they're not. You're paying for it. No, no. Well, you know, I mean, things are different now, obviously. I mean, you know, this, this, you know, my new album uh, with my new band, Bay Nook and Messiahs, I can honestly tell you that, I mean, it took me a long time to do it, but that was only because I was probably spending, you know, two hours a week, you know, if that, actually recording the album, because I'd only do it when I felt like doing it. You know, if there was something on TV I wanted to watch, I would watch that instead. Um, so even though it took me a few years to do the album, I, I've literally spent no time at all actually in the studio recording it. You know, I could have, if I kind of did it in one go, I could have probably done it in about a week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but that, I think that's the beauty of things today, really. And I, I'm, I'm sure we're all a lot older and a lot wiser. Um, and like you say, you, you, you are paying for everything. So, you know, and, and of course, a lot of studios have gone out of business with the way, you know, the way people record these days, so um, it, it's all good. Yeah, well, we—I mean, we recorded. We recorded in Bridge End with Jace, Jace Lewis. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah, we we had the we had a, um, we've gone and had the full um, the full studio experience um, again, um, and I'm, I'm, it, it was just fucking great. It was just absolutely great. I love just you know just just working. And concentrating on and being focused on one thing, um, but also it was very different because it's it wasn't the whole band in the studio all the time. You yeah, know, it was people going in and doing. It was people going in and doing their own thing, and really, you know, all five of us were there for the first few days, and then and then yeah. we all we all left Mark, our drummer, to it, um, and and then it was just everybody going in like individually doing their parts. Um, yeah. And I just, I, 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 I thought it was a great way to work um, because you get, you know, you, you, you've got the producer's complete and total focus. There's no distractions. And there's nobody in the, in the control room making tea while you're trying to talk on, you know, while you're trying to speak on talk back um, about, you know, the last take you've done and you can hear people talking about what they're going to have for lunch in the background and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just well, you know that. I mean, when we when Tails used to record, I mean, that was always kind of the case, really. I mean, certainly when Jay was doing his guitar parts, he didn't want anyone in there as the producer. Um, so you know, we always kind of had that thing. I, I, I remember the once we were in the studio with producer Tim Lewis, and I was in the uh, in the next room with the headphones on, and I was trying to ask him something, and I could I could hear in the background they were kind of you know talking about something else, and I was kind of. Uh, you know, in there like a twat of my own. And then <laughs> the next thing you know, I'd gone. <laughs> the time I got back, the phone's ringing, and it's like, oh, you know, what happened? What happened? And they, they're pressing the talk button, going, gek, gek. 
double position I was listening to me was the game minute. But um yeah, you know, I, I mean when I did this album I, I actually thought, well, you know, what I'd like to do is you know, as you said yourself, I'm pretty sure that people have got no real idea of the kind of stuff, you know, I'm into and the kind of stuff I listen to. I mean, to be honest, up to that point, I mean, you know, if you wanted to know what I was into, listen to Rank Elson. Because, you know, you know, myself and uh, the other guys in the band wrote our own songs there as well. And that, that's a kind of fair indication of the kind of thing I listen to. But when I did this album, I, I thought, um, I didn't think it was heavy at all. I, I mean, I still don't, but I just thought, you know, this is the kind of songs I write. And then the few people that have heard it up until this point, all said, oh, it's very, very heavy, very heavy. And it's like, oh, it isn't. And I still don't think it, you know, if, if someone bought that, the album thinking it would be a heavy album, it's not very heavy. It's just, you know, it's just a rock album to me. But, you know, people seem to think that it is a very heavy album. And, you know, they say, oh, it's like the Tiger Tales Osborne stuff. And... I kind of thought, well, it isn't. But then I thought, well, actually, it, it probably is because, I mean, I use the same production techniques that I've learned from working with Tiger Tales producers. Um, you know, two of the members of the band, Andy Skinner and Cy, were in Tiger Tales in the Wasbones period. So I suppose it's, you know, it's inevitably going to sound like that, which, you know, people have kind of picked up on, which is nice. Because I like that. But, you know, that was one of my favourite pieces of the band, I have to say. All the Dirty Needle stuff and, uh, you know, songs like that. And um, and quite bizarrely, your album comes out the week after our album. So we, uh, does it? yeah, we come out we come out on the twenty seventh September, and your album comes out on the fourth of October. Fourth of October, yeah, that's right, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, you know, the band's been together for quite a few years now. To be honest with you, uh, you know, we've been rehearsing and stuff, and um, you know, I didn't see the guys that. Tiger Tales members, as I say, there's Cy on guitar, Andy Skinner on drums, and we've a new guy on bass, um, a guy called JJ, Johnny Jacobs, who's been in a South Wales band called Sex um, for years now. And um, I'd known John for a long time, and it was, it was very important to me to get people that I knew and felt comfortable with. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, literally, honestly, I mean, I won't, I won't say who, but I walked into, when I was in Tiger Tales, I walked into the rehearsal room once. And I didn't honestly know the person that stood there. I'd never met them, you know. Um, and I didn't really want to be in that position again. Yeah. So it was important to me to have people I knew. And, you know, as I say, the, the two guys that were in Tiger Tales, Cy and Andy, I'd known him for years, but I hadn't seen him for a good, you know, 10 years or more. So, you know, we rehearsed, you know, we've been rehearsing for a few years now. And it, it was just a case of I wanted to get to know him again, you know, and not feel like they were strangers to me. Um, and, you know, as I say, the album's been finished a while now, but it was the right time, you know, finding the right time to release it, and I didn't want to go up and play um, when people didn't know the songs. I just couldn't see the point, you know, because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be enjoyable for everybody. And I thought, well, if we go up and play now a bunch of new songs which people don't know, it's not going to be enjoyable for them. It's not going to be enjoyable for us. So, you know, I couldn't see the point. It's not as if, I, you know, I'm on some kind of do-or-die mission. And, you know, oh, we must go up and play. You know, I kind of when, when someone leaves a band and they think, right, who's going to get the album out first? No, the band or the person who's left, you know? <laughs> the race. It's, it's, yeah, I'll show them, you know? Well, <laughs> it was never that for me because I thought, well, it, it doesn't really bother me if I never release another album or never do another gig. I mean, my whole focus at the time was 
if I can write an album that I can honestly say I'm proud of, and it's a fair reflection of what I want to do, then I'll release it. But, you know, I'm not, you know, if I release another one in five years' time, or, or never, until I can find a bunch of songs that I honestly think are decent, then, you know, I, I won't do anything. It's just the way I am, really. I mean, as we all know, we're not going to make a fortune. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, why best to get it? You know, I really think you've got, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. You've really got to believe in it as well. Unless, you know, what's the point? Uh, well, absolutely, absolutely, and I know exactly what you mean about you know the, you know the band putting the band together. Um, I mean, we we start we started you know started out. I tried to re we we tried to reform. It was all Kev's idea, and he had nothing to do with it after that. And um, and when that failed, I mean, we we did a few rehearsals, and then but just over time, people realised that they they couldn't they couldn't dedicate the time to it that was going to be needed. Um, and when it came to putting in, a, you know. A kind of new lineup together, exactly that. You know, I was I was determined to to have um, uh, people around me that I that I trusted, that I liked, that because it's it's weird when you you know it's not it, it, when I think you know when you when you kind of grow up in a band. I mean, I felt like I grew up in Acid Rain. Um, you're, well, you did, yeah. I mean, yeah. you were kids, weren't you, really? Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I was twenty-one by it was over. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but the same with you in Tiger Tales, where you like you, you, you kind of you, you grow up in a band, and then after all those years, when you have a when you have a chance to actually put one together yourself, it's kind of like, ah, oh, right, you know, I, there's th- th- this, you know, I'm not I'm not having people forced upon me. I can just I can just put this together myself and 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 actually have a say in who's in the band. Yeah. And do you think you kind of, you know, you kind of know deep down if someone isn't going to kind of, you know, stick the course? Um, I, I, to be honest, I think putting, well, putting, putting this band together, uh, it, it, it was, it was definitely a case of, I knew everybody was absolutely, you know, bang up for it. Um, there was, there were, I mean, we never, I, I never had an audition process as such. Um, no, no. There was only there was only I, ever. I never have. I haven't. No. Well, there was only ever one person who tried out for this new lineup, um, and and that was a member of my family. You know that 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 was a cousin, and it didn't work out. And do you know what? Um, we were supposed to have two rehearsals, and he came up to me after the first one and just went, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I I don't think this is I don't think this is working." And I was like, "Well, you know, you know, don't don't be so hard on yourself." And he was like, "No." And it was like it was more more him saying, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to happen." Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you, I, th- I think you definitely get a feel um, for people, and you, ju- but you just have to go on your instincts, don't you? I mean, you could literally, and also the life happens, doesn't it? You can, ha- you can, you can, ha- you can have what you think is a stable lineup, then something happens in someone's life, and yeah. and everything gets turned on its head. Well, you know, when I, when I first got this Bayern Lucky Messiahs uh, thing together, I had my mother playing drums. Your what? And for days, my mother was playing drums. Your mother? Yeah. Not your brother, <laughs> your mother. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. I'm right, you, you twat, you completely had me then. <laughs> no, that's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? I, I, I was actually, no, I won't say that. 
I was going to say I have my mother playing drums, but she got up as a bass player, so no. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, yeah, I think you do know, you know, and I mean, it is difficult. Um, you, you know something? I remember a conversation, um, I think it was probably about 87, I had with somebody in a club in Newport, and they came up to me and said, um, I was in Tiger Cells at the time, I just joined, and obviously Pepsi was the bass player. And they were a bass player, and they said to me, your bass player is shit. I'm much better than he is, right? And I said, yes. If I said to you, we've got a gig in Glasgow in a month, would you get on the train with a load of posters and go up to Glasgow and put, put them everywhere? Which I knew the answer would be no. And Pepsi, that's what exactly what he would have done. And that's what he did do, you know? And something I've learned over the years is you've got to be a very special person you know people say well oh how that band got anywhere they're shit and they may well be shit but they're a special kind of person and one thing tiger tales had was four of those special people who you know maybe they weren't the best in the world of what they did but they would be there without excuse and they'd be there on time and they'd be focused on what they're doing and nothing else nothing else mattered you know and yeah. I think all bands have got that in common. All bands you see, Motley Crue, you know, any band, that's one thing they have in common is that focus, which you need. Yeah, yeah, that focus, that that dedication. But also I think... Um, you, you know what you said there. There's, yeah, there's all the, there's all the like the rock and roll stories, smashing this up and, and having fights and stuff like that. But the the key to what you said there was like turned up, you know, focused and and ready to work because ultimately it's it's a job and the bands that fail are the ones that don't treat it like a job the ones uh, the ones that fail are the ones that treat it like you know it's just it it's just a fucking laugh and you know yeah. we're just going to fuck about it's like because that that is not going to get you anywhere because ultimately um if you take that attitude on stage with you um people will will see it as you taking the fucking piss they've paid to come and see you and you better put on a tight professional show. Yeah. And something else as well I kind of learned, you know, when I joined, I mean, joining, joining Tiger Tales was a big shock for me because it was the first time I'd worked with a proper producer, Tim Lewis. And, you know, I remember him sitting there saying, oh, look, you know, your guitar's out of tune. You know, what are you doing? You know, and it, it, it's, a, it's another level, you know, even to like kind of release an album and go up and play on a proper stage is a, a vastly different thing from being a pub band. You know, and I, I think a lot of people don't realise this, you know, as well. And, and to go and do it night after night and night, you know, is so hard. You know, especially for a singer. Um, you know, do you know yourself? It, it, it's a, you, you have to be disciplined. You can't just be some twat who just rolls around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, that's another story. But no, he, he, you know, as I say, he was um, a very, very intelligent guy, Pepsi, and, uh, you know, he was a fool when he could be a fool, um, but certainly when he was in the studio and when he was writing, you know, it, it, his, his dedication was just in another league, you know, he was there, and that's what you need to do, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, what you were saying there about, like, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard doing it every night and all the rest of it, and it's like, yeah, absolutely, um, because you've got to spend... I mean, I know, I know, well, I know for me, I've got to spend the entire time I'm not on stage when you're touring. You've got to spend your entire time um, 
basically just looking after yourself. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the funny thing is, uh, a friend of mine is a bass player and um, and he put a side project together. And he, and he was always going on about, you know, like, you know, LSD, lead singer's disease and all the rest of it. And all oh, singers are all a bit aloof and oh, it's, they're a bit weird, aren't they? And then um, he was a bass player and he was also singing in this side project. And they'd done a couple of gigs and his voice wasn't feeling good. And he was in the venue and, and he said and, and he just said to the band, look, I'm going to have to go and sit in the van and just like listen to a bit of music or read a book or something and be away from everybody because otherwise I'll talk and I and I... I, I can't, I need to rest my voice. And he said, and he went and sat yeah. in the van and he was reading a book and he suddenly hit him that, oh, all that shit I've been saying about singers all those years is absolute bollocks. This is what you yeah. have to do. You well, know? you know what? I, I, the big thing for me, um, you know, back in the day was um, you'd be out on tour and, you know, I'd actually think, no, you know, my voice isn't feeling too bad. And then, of course, you know, after the gig, oh, why, you know, we want bands to come to our club. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, I don't feel too bad. You go into a club and, you know, people want to talk to you and the music's loud and yeah. you shout back at them, you know. It's inevitable. And then you wake up the next day thinking, oh, God, my, I'm fucked. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you know, I've always said I'd much prefer to be a bass player in a band or something because, uh, you know, the singer gets the bad deal. For the bass player, can do pretty much whatever they like. But yeah, you know, it's uh... yeah, but it swings and roundabouts, though, isn't it? Because then you've got then you've got like you know the the rest of the band going, mm, singer gets all the attention, and it's like yeah, you get all the attention, but then there's the 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 flip side of that is exactly what you're just talking about there. And I know I know that exact experience of like people wanting to talk to me, and I'm and I'm literally having to do hand signals to point out yeah. that it's really loud, and then point to my throat. And then kind of like yeah. go like, you know, I'm, you know, sort of put my hands around my throat and go like, mm, you know, I'm trying to, I can't, I can't. And, and I'm just hoping that, you know, whoever it is, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, a, a fan or whoever understands what I'm trying to communicate is, look, I can't, I can't talk to you here. If you want to talk, we then we have to like not be here. Yeah. It's a but weird part one. Part of the pitfalls of rock and roll, isn't it? <laughs> oh, isn't it just? Isn't it just? Well, look, I'm mate. Sure, I'm sure I'll soon find out because uh, our first show, um, when you mentioned the the Ben Ogden album out on, uh, on November the fourth. Oh, no, October um, the fourth, mate. <laughs> October the fourth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm losing it. Um, yeah, sorry, November the third. Um, we had the release date for the album, so then I thought, well, you know, let's. I mean, the first show had to be in Cardiff. Um, it yeah. had to be for me, you know, because I'd like history to record that, you know, the first show was my hometown. Because uh, that's where I was born. My, you know, my family for two, de- two de- generations, I think, uh, in at least a few hundred years um, from the doctor who recorded, which I found out recently. So it meant a lot to me for the first day to be there. And coincidentally, I kind of looked at who was playing around that time and y and um, were playing in the tram shed. So um, I gave them a ring and, and basically kind of blagged my way into that date with them. Brilliant. So that'll be our first date, not, uh, November the 4th. Um, oh, that's awesome. November the 3rd, sorry, November the 3rd, Sunday, Cardiff Tram Shed. Right. Um, with Watt and T. Because um, they're all friends, you know, they're a fantastic band, I know it's going to be a great night, and, um, you know, by then, people would have, you know, they'd have a month to, to hear some of the tunes. Um, not that it'll be only tunes, there'll be some old stuff as well, of course. Um, 
That's you awesome, know, I, as I say, we, we could have actually gone out and played ages ago. I, I couldn't really see the point when nobody knew the songs. Yeah, and no, I, I, I get you, mate. I get you. And, and a younger version of you would have been, would have let the enthusiasm get the better of them and just go, no, 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 let, let's let, let's just go out and do some gigs. Whereas, whereas now it's like, no, I don't want to go out and do gigs and have people stare at me and not know the songs. Yeah, well, do you know what? Funny enough, I said to the band, they, they were splitting else off the to us actually in London, and it was actually another tour um, offered to us, the full UK tour. And I just looked at it and thought, well, do you know what? I don't really fancy the headliner. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said to him, when I was 17, I would have fucking gone, you've got to be kidding me. You know, this is fantastic. But now I'm older, I just think, well, nah, don't like that band, not doing it. You know, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and to be fair, it was the same one, you know, when Tiger Tales got back together, we'd be offered a show and we'd look at the bill and think, oh, do I like that band? And if we did, we'd go and do it. If we didn't, we wouldn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just the way, yeah, we, we pick and choose, you know, and, and that's the way things are now. Cool, man. Cool. Well, look, um, I, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to pause the interview there. This is the, the main interview's uh, finished, but what, what I've now got is I've got questions for you from subscribers, which I'll do in a, in, in a, as a separate little um, interview. But for now, Kim... Thank you so much. The, the album, um, That Which Preys on the Dead, is coming out on October the 4th. Um, and uh, you can get... Uh, the, the website is um, Bare Knuckle Nemesis, is it? Uh, it's Bare Knuckle Messiahs. Bare um, com. Yeah, I think so. I, to be honest, I'm not really uh, internet savvy. Um, before we finish, when's the new Steps album out, dude? <laughs> oh, you had to get that in there, didn't you? You fucking twat. <laughs> um, okay. Right, it's bare knuckle messiah. Uh, bare, yeah, bare, bare knuckle messiahs. Fi- bare knuckle messiah. Find that in your search engine, right? And um, and the album's out on October the fourth. That which preys on the dead. Very cool Let to me. catch up with you, man. You can pre you can pre order now. Pre-order now. Get on it, people. Right, okay. that's the first one over. I've got another one coming for you, but for now, thank you very much. Adios. How cool was that? I hope you enjoyed catching up with um, uh, Kim as much as I did, because that was really, really cool. And he spared uh, at, at least a, about two hours of his morning, uh, answered all of the uh, the patrons' questions as well. It's a cracking Patreon podcast this month, uh, Kim and Phil. Um, and and really, I've, I kind of feel like this episode sort of encapsulates what Talking Bollocks is all about. It's, you know, it's me gobbing off about PayPal at the beginning. Um, but more importantly, the, the interviews with, you know, Phil Demmel of Violence. I mean, one of, one of, if not the archetypal thrash band, a Bay Area thrash band. And then Tiger Tales, the archetypal UK hair metal band. Um, you know, and that that right there, that is the um, that is that is the um, uh, the appeal, hopefully, and also the lack of appeal of uh, of talking bollocks. You know, that's what that's what you tune in for. Um, hey, tune it in, but you know, something a bit different, something a bit off the beaten track, something that is just just different. You know, and is and is not Jamie Jaster selling cock pills. 
Um, uh, although uh, dead funny as well. Recently, he's he's um, he's telling everybody to uh, to sign up with this uh, web builder so you can get your own website. Just while I'm taking mine down and saying that there's nobody goes to websites anymore. So there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit of a tangent. Really good chat with Kim. Really enjoyed it. I mean, it was just so so good. Um, and and I hope that really came through as well. Um, such a huge amount of warmth between the two bands, Acid Rain and Tiger Tales, back in the day. Um, and, you know, we were probably as close to them as any thrash band. And the thrash band that we were probably closest to, certainly UK one, would be would be Sabbath. Because um, we spent a lot of time... And I think that's because we, we, were, we were both so opposite, at such opposite ends of the metal scale, certainly the thrash scale. You know, you've got the... You've got the the pagan image boys, and then you've got the like virtually punk don't give a fuck boys in us, and and it, you know what what that led to is the fact that there was no there was just no sense whatsoever of um, of rivalry there because we were so different, and it's the same with Tiger Tales, you know there was just they were just they were just our mates they were just fucking nut jobs every time we saw them they were more pissed than us and that always impressed us so um yeah really good times really enjoyed it and i've really do it really enjoyed doing the doing the podcast and believe it or not i've just had a direct message through to my keith platt account who i've been tweeting at them with and uh and uh they're they're escalating my query and really want to provide a solution for me i know there isn't one already but it's quite funny that this is kind of that's rumbled on whilst i've been doing the podcast and starting out with my anti paypal tirade fucking hell anyway um one thing i did want to flash up um or flag up not flash up flash up would be uh, would be rude one thing i did want to flag up was another podcast and i and and i i, I know i do this but i think i think it's you know fucking why not um podcasts are cool and podcasts are what it's all about so here are podcasts um uh, it's on it's via the bbc you can get it on any um you know certainly don't have to be on the stupid bbc sounds app but just any podcast it's called no passion no point the host is eddie hearn that's right the boxing promoter eddie hearn um but he's an interesting guy. I really like. I, I like him. Although you know, obviously, I boo him because that's what you do. But um, uh, I like him. You know, he's, he's not exactly a self-made man. You know, he's taking his dad's business over. But he's he's really honest and open about it. And how you know he got a really good education, a really good upbringing because his dad did well. But you know, he's still from the streets, as it were. But not really, and he freely admits that. But he's had some fascinating interviews on from Noel Gallagher to Katie Taylor, the Irish female boxer. Um, all sorts of people, people I've never heard of, people you've never heard of. And the most recent one was was grime artist and actor Kano. Now I I just thought, yeah, whatever, you know. But then the more I listened to it, Kano, man, he was around at the real beginnings of grime. Now, if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, that's an accident because I don't. But um Listening to his, inverted commas, journey. Fucking, it makes you sick, doesn't it? But anyway, listening to his story. Um, it's so similar to that of 
bands of my era when we were trying to get off the. I mean, basically, he was, it, all he was about was recording like mixtapes, and he recorded mixtapes, and he was just getting mixtapes out there and getting passed around and passed around. And then he was just, and they were getting played on pirate radio, and then he'd like do the occasional gig, and more people would be there, and he'd be cool, and they knew the words because they had the tapes. And then he just wanted to get a record out, and it was just all about just getting a single out and just getting it pressed and getting that onto. Um, pirate radio stations and it was like and just listening to the guy and listening to how he how he did it how he got finally signed um, the work ethic behind it the community the underground nature of it all it is so relatable to thrash thrash metal tape trading um, which is effectively what they were doing, creating mixtapes, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, obviously of his own mixes. But that's what they were doing. They were just demoing. They were just getting demos out there. But then for them, the next route was vinyl and getting, you know, and getting to invited to DJ at bigger and bigger gigs and then getting invited to DJ over in Ibiza. And that's what got him signed. But it's just all about the, you know, put the, put the music, what the music is aside, just listen to. And again, no passion, no point. But you listen to the guy and you just think, yeah, this dude was never going to be denied. And he was 16 when he was doing all this. And it's just like, fucking hell, that's awesome. And I just had a really newfound kind of respect for for those kind of artists and, and, and their way up. And that's because I didn't know. Pure ignorance. I didn't, I didn't know how these guys got big. You know, you see these huge rappers with gold rings and fucking huge cars and all the rest of it. You just think, well, you know, whatever. Um... But it was really interesting to see how he'd really dragged himself up and and just created this entire fucking business that is Kano. Um, so it's awesome. Yeah, so I, I really want to check that out. Um, as always, end of the podcast. This is where all podcasts fade out and say, oh, it's so nice for you to listen. To, I, I really appreciate you guys. And I do. And I love you. And thank you very much. But I need you to work harder. I need you to share harder. I need you to get the word of talking bollocks out there so we can do more with this motherfucker. More of you sign up at Patreon. More of you spread the word about this. And the bigger and better it will become. And we'll get more cracking guests like Phil Demmel on the show. Please help out if you can. Really appreciate it. Um, We're back in all your ears. Um, everything is back. The mental health special just came out, so give that a listen as well. Lots of stuff, as always, coming at you. Um, it's been a very exciting month. New Acid Rain single out, which has gone down fantastically, and that's what you can hear at the beginning of the uh, podcast. Really, really pleased with that. Talk all about that on um, on the Patreon stuff and everything else. Um, but this is, let's face it, this is not an Acid Rain podcast, so um, not everybody is interested. In case you are, in case you're not, single came out. It's gone down really well. By the time I do a next one of these, the new album will actually be out, and that will be my head completely fried. So if you thought the beginning of this podcast was a bit mad, just wait till you hear the next one. As always, always a pleasure. Deborah Chur, speak to you next month. <laughs>